To be an indie means we buck a system that doesn't want us. To be a fringe filmmaker means we don't do it for them. We do it for ourselves. To be an outlaw on the fringe means we'll die before we fail. Be an outlaw. George? Fuck you, Joe. <laughs> ah. Look at that. I'm practicing my letterman over here with these papers. Can, can, can you feel the love, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> oh, man. Joe, how are you, brother? I am fantastic. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Life is good. Things are moving. We had a great show last week, didn't we? Uh, yeah. What show was that? Uh, oh, the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade podcast with your host, George C. Romero, and is with me as always, producer galore extraordinaire, Joe Ranchley. Wow, nice. It's been a minute. It's been a minute, so I thought I'd bring back the Ranchley. Okay, I appreciate that. We, we've also already got some messages. Libby, have a great show. Thank you very much. Libby, I enjoy your shirt. I enjoy your shirt very much, Libby. That's right. Damn, yeah. I should have a picture of that on there, too. And, of course, we got Mr. Sin. Smithson. Sean Smithson of Smithson Creations, handcrafted woodworking, a very great guy, writing his first horror film, as a matter of fact. And his company, Smithson Creations, handcrafted woodworking, actually sponsors Ian Steyer's blog on the Indie Brigade Network. Um, it's called The Devil's Into Details. Ian is responsible for all the art of the new brand and look and feel of everything that you see before you and everything that is to come. Uh, he's a phenomenal artist. Uh, and he has uh, helped us design the, uh, well, he's responsible for all of the design of all those logos that Joe just took down. But they were really nice, trust me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this one too. Yeah, and Scare Tactical is a phenomenal thing we're doing. Um, as a lot of you know, uh, the Veterans Compound is something very near and dear to me. Um, and it's something we're working hard to get off the ground. Uh, so in order to do that, we need to handle a lot of legalities, a lot of paperwork, a lot of filing fees and all kinds of other shit for the suits. And, uh, scare tactical is a merchandise line that we have launched. Uh, we've got some great stuff in the store on RomeroPictures.com, and a portion of every sale goes directly into a bank account dedicated strictly to getting the veterans compound paperwork and legalities all buttoned up and getting all the I's crossed and the T's dotted. So, well, I've also got a comment from the lady who created the great P debate of 2020. Hey, that's my beautiful wife, Rebecca Romero. Yes, she did. Good Lord. There's like nine likes on that post, but there's like 300 comments. I never knew anybody had such such strong feelings uh, over canned peas versus frozen peas. Who fucking knew? Not me. <laughs> me neither. All right. We got Joe McFarlane out there. Uh, we have a good time here at the Indie Brigade, don't we? We, we do. We do. More than we should be allowed to. <laughs> I sound here is it oh Eric is saying no sound mm. I'm thinking that's you I'm hoping it's you we got yeah, me too Dean Dean is awesome Dean is handling all the acquisitions for Romero Pictures uh, and the Indie Brigade and our distribution labels uh, if you've got screeners get them to us now the email address is on our website at romeropictures.com if you've got completed screeners and you need help getting them out into the world, get them to us now. 
Uh, this is something I wanted to bring up because, uh, you know, I did make a post about this, I guess, about a week ago. We're working on some very exciting things here. As some of you watching know, the Indie Brigade, uh, what started as the podcast and is now sort of the network, if you will, is really the tip of the spear for a much larger end game uh, that I've been talking a lot about uh, with some folks uh, in the past couple of weeks. Uh, and that I've had some very exciting phone calls about in the last couple of days. So there will be more announcements coming. Uh, we are getting closer and closer to sort of the end game of this whole thing, uh, much faster than I ever thought we possibly could. Um, and, you know, a lot of that has to do with branding and um, marketing and promotion and self-promotion and doing it the right way. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because that's what tonight's entire show is going to be about. And I'm really excited about it. We've got a good friend of mine named Jaden Frost coming on, uh, who's got a brand new show uh, that he's ramping up for the premiere of on Amazon Prime. Uh, and then we've got Jimmy Starr coming on, a phenomenal publicist, good friend. He's coming on to talk about some of this stuff. The idea tonight is that we're going to talk about why it's important for filmmakers to handle as much of their own self-promotion as they can, uh, but also talk a little bit about some of the ways that, that that really work as opposed to just running around out there on the internet trying to get a bunch of thumbs up. And then the big news tonight is when we are finished with tonight's show, Joe's work is never finished here at the Indie Brigade because tonight at 11 o'clock p.m. we've got the series premiere of uh, The End of the Night with David Lee Madison. He's got guests Dan Roebuck and Chad Rook on his show, and this is a brand new show that we've added to the Indie Brigade Network. We're very excited about it. David is an awesome guy and a dear friend, <laughs> and I think uh, everybody's going to love to stick around for his show. So right here, same stream, Friday nights uh, after our show. Uh, you'll be able to tune into David's show and check him out talking to some very cool people about some very cool things too. What else, Joe? Uh, Joe, this little thing. Oh yeah, there you go. Uh, we're now available on Avail TV. Um, you know, for a lot of you that don't know, there's these Avod platforms. They're a large part of our distribution plan and our belief for the indie world, uh, and we believe that that's where the strength and the future lies for a lot of indie filmmakers and artists. Uh, and as a result of this, we are part of the initial uh, launch content for Avail TV that's available on Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, and Apple TV+. Plus. It's a great platform. They've even given us our own channel over there. It's the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade uh, talk show channel. Uh, all of our episodes are up there from season one and season two right now. Uh, and, and that's about it. That Next week is our season two finale, so that's going to be a really cool episode to tune into as well. Um, and, uh, I think the, the, what's left Joe is for you to talk about where people can go to listen to our amazing voices. Oh, wow. Where was that again? I don't know. That's your, your dude. Right, right, right. Uh, After all the shit I just went through, <laughs> all you got to remember is one fucking list. <laughs> you know how long it took to look this pretty for the show today? <laughs> Audio only podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, Radio Republic, and Breaker. And there's a couple of more that I haven't added to that yet, so I'm slacking. Boom. What a surprise. I should drink from this mug now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of mugs. Look at that. Joe. Right there. Right on your coffee mug. Boom. You can get that over at our merch store, too. Yeah. 
Blame Joe is a movement that's actually bigger than the Indie Brigade will ever become. If you have a problem in your life, if anything went wrong, if you caused a rift in your relationship, it's not your fault. You just blame Joe. You're starting to sound more and more like my wife every day. Trying to put the whole weight of the world, the whole world, right on those shoulders. I know they can take it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We got David Madison in the house saying it's going to rock this together. Absolutely. Uh, Lance is saying stay focused. Oh, come on. That's my bit, man. Uh... <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If you're going to read these, you need to read them in your out loud voice. That is my out loud voice. I don't know how to read that. You read that. I think Samantha's just saying she loves Lance. <laughs> Boom. And, and Lance is saying, damn it, Joe. So Lance and Sam, for anybody who doesn't know, they're the hosts of the Wagner Wiles, which is another show here on the Indie Brigade Network. Uh, we've got some great things. Joe, if you can pull up that graphic again, we'll just zip through those very quickly. You're so needy. We've got our show. We've got the Wagner Wiles with Lance and Samantha Wagner. We've got The Devil is Into Detail. I told you guys about that. Check it out. It's a very well-written blog about creativity. Uh, we've got The Nasty Nation with Chuck Nasty of Bastard Sons of a Judas Goat. Uh, phenomenal band, good friend, uh, and he's out there in the underground uh, beating the streets every day. So check out his episodes. They're very cool. And we've got The Drone Cab with Terry Gerald, our, our own resident indie brigade drone Jesus. Uh, he, he's forgotten more about drones than most indie filmmakers will ever have to learn or want to learn. Uh, so go to the drone cab, check it out, learn some shit from Terry because this guy has, has this drone stuff on lock and can save you a fuckload of money on your production costs and help you increase that production value for even less money than a lot of us have to make these movies with. So check it all out right here on the Indie Brigade Network, which you can access all through RomeroPictures.com for all the links. Man, these like intros are getting longer, Joe. It's We're going to have to trick. figure something out. <clears throat> like talking to people other than us? Yeah. You know, I, I want to talk just a little bit about the importance of social media marketing, you know, as anybody's noticed or paid attention with the brigade, you know, we've been doing this since late last year and, uh, you know, we spun up just like everybody did. We certainly don't have very impressive numbers at this point, but when you consider the short period of time recently that our numbers have grown, uh, in the way they've grown, um, you know, I believe that our message is starting to get out there. We're starting to get a stronger foothold. Uh, in other words, most of our growth has come in recent weeks uh, and months as opposed to f since the beginning, right? So I think that that says a lot for, you know, everybody out there who's supporting and loving of the brigade and helping us get the word out and get the message out. You know, it means the world. We're trying to we're trying to really affect some change here uh, for whatever that's worth. And we're trying to create something uh, very special for the indie community. So, uh, you know, help us spread the word, be part of the fucking brigade, get in here, get your shit out there. Uh, and collaborate with each other and get shit done from a good place. So that said, you know, uh, the social media marketing, it's its sort of like this big confusing thing for me, right? I spent a lot of time in advertising and marketing and all of that stuff, but, you know, I'm dating myself, obviously, but it was pre, it was pre all this shit, right? It was pre all the, the, the fucking emojis and all the other shit. Like we, you know, we had different metrics that were measured in all kinds of different things. Now it's all done literally right here from your own little accounts. And there's, there's people who are way better at understanding that stuff uh, than I am. 
and, and, you know, a lot of times what happens is we'll try something and, you know, just like a lot of us, I think, uh, you know, we have ideas and we understand. So we grasp the concept of social media marketing and we grasp what we need to do and what we're trying to do. Uh, and we see what works for other people and we figure, well, I'll try some sort of version of that for myself. And, um, you know, it, it, sometimes it's hit or miss, right? You might make a post and you might get 10,000 views or 20,000 views, but then the next 20 posts you make, you get like 50, you know, you get a reach of 50 people and you don't know what the fuck you did wrong. Right. That's basically me all day wandering around in a robe, bumping into walls, confused about this stuff. So <laughs> you're trying to master the algorithms and everything. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, I mean, all I know is that all of these platforms seem to be trying to drive everybody towards spending money on this stuff. And they were built. They seem to be built on allowing us to do it uh, without spending money. So, you know, I believe there's a happy medium in there somewhere and I believe we will find it. Uh, you know, one of the things I'm excited about is tonight's first guest is Jaden Frost. He's really good at this stuff. And, uh, you know, I think he's probably already at his age forgotten more about this stuff than I ever want to learn. So uh, I think he's probably a good person to have on and, and sort of introduced to the brigade because he's actually going to be available through our mentor program uh, as soon as we get him added into the website um, in, in terms of uh, being able to book sessions with him to talk about your social media marketing specific for you, specific for your project and all that other stuff. So. Uh, why don't we bring him up here and introduce him to the world, Joe? All right. So please introduce him and tell people what they're listening to. Jaden, what's hey. up? You're here. <laughs> it's good to see you. It's good, it's to, good see you. to see you guys too, man. Thanks for joining us on the uh, Romero Pictures Indie Brigade podcast with me, your host, George C. Romero, and my ever faithful producer extraordinaire, Joe Ridgely. Uh, you said well, my last name. Here. I'm really. I, I feel like I'm. I don't have the quality you guys have right now. It's crazy. Like I'm loving the background and everything you got back there. So thanks, man. Yeah, we have fun with it. You know. Uh, you know, actually, tonight's the uh, the big coronavirus episode. I got my case of Corona and my respirator right there in the background. So. Oh. <laughs> well, enjoy your three percent mortality rate. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Jaden, for everybody watching, Jaden's a good friend of mine. I've known him for a handful of years now. Uh, we met and and had some very deep conversations about uh, filmmaking and creativity and all that stuff. But changed my life, man. Changed my life. Well, absolutely. I would like to you to kind of introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are and what you're about and and what has brought you and me back to reconnecting, man. Well, um, hmm, how do I put it? I'm just a dude making shit, man. I don't really know. Like it's at the end of the day, I think that's kind of what we all are. Um, I like to explain it as we're just kids who really get a chance to like not grow up and we get to play make believe. And it's like, <laughs> I'll put a camera there and I'm like, all right, you're a monster. Action. <laughs> and they're like, Rawr! and I'm like money. It's uh, but <laughs> it's pretty much the best way. It's the best damn job I've ever had in my life, man. Um, but at the, at the end of the day, I guess what I am is, I'm a horror, independent horror filmmaker transitioning into becoming a late night TV show host. And that's been kind of one of the craziest things lately for me is kind of turning into this thing where it's like actually becoming something different than what I've been planning to be for so long. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about the social media stuff is because 
it's funny now you you said like you feel like you're in a robe and you're just kind of bumping around and not quite sure what you're doing i feel like that's most people on social media but at the end of the day everybody knows this shit because it's ingrained in us and i'm excited to talk about that today because what i do for brands and what i do for myself and and bands and all these different types of things like it's literally it's not common sense but it is basic human interaction as we've always known it just in a different caliber so i'm hoping that i can rip down that veil for a lot of you guys i appreciate it man i and i i hope you can too because you know obviously there are people out there who know how to do enough for themselves or you know there's people who say well i got it this good and that's good enough for me but you know as somebody that has had the conversations that you and i have had you know there's a lot of us out there that that's never going to be good enough right it's never going to be yeah. Like, even if, even if tomorrow I wake up with a million views, the next day I'm going to wake up and say, how do I get 10? Right. And mm -hmm. it's not going to be like, I'm never going to be satisfied, uh, until I feel until that's something that switch in me flips and it says, okay, you can breathe now. And I, I, I trust my inner creative to tell me when that time is. And, you know, it's interesting because you you said something that I don't think I've ever had a guest say, obviously, which is you started out as an independent filmmaker and you're now tr transitioning to become uh, a late night talk show host. Yeah. And I think a lot of that and you tied that into your social me media marketing. I think a lot of that probably or what I would love to pull out of that statement and have you talk about a little bit for people is how to identify when it's time to pivot. Yeah. Oh. You know what I you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's it. That is that's the difficult part because you never know. Like you never know. Like, okay, and the best way to put it is uh a little bit of for like insight on people, uh like on me and have your influence on me. I my first movie was a zombie movie, as we discussed before. Dead Della Creme, uh it's on Amazon Prime and um, my whole big thing about it was how do I make a zombie movie with no zombies? And, <laughs> and honestly, what I should have said to myself was how do you make a zombie movie that's going to piss everybody the fuck off? Because <laughs> boy, do people hate me for that. But, um, that aside, the whole thing behind that was, is like my whole life, man, I left home when I was 16. I, uh, like I literally told my mom, told my dad, I wanted to be a filmmaker, leave me in North Carolina when they went to Iowa. And then some shit happened. I went back, I went to Iowa when I was 17 and then I left again. And that's where I remained homeless for most of my life, traveling with that book bag, trying to become this. And then one day I finally say I'm making a movie. It was after we talked and everything and I felt inspired and I was like, fuck yeah. You know, like he said, I could do it. I could do it. Like, oh, I'm ready. Like, and I did it. And nothing happened it was fucking pointless like i felt like i had waited 10 11 12 years to be ready to do something that i could have done 20 10 11 12 years before and i waited because my life didn't change and i really really was upset with myself and like how we were talking before about reaching that dark place where you kind of turn to the universe and you say hit me hit me with what you got i was in a dead like it, it fucked me up for a while man where i was just like what am i doing why am I doing this? Why did I give up a childhood? Why did I give up my family and all of this shit to make a movie that no one cares about and they're shit talking me for? And <laughs> and it's crazy because like like I said, I could have done it years ago. I didn't have to be homeless. I didn't go to college, dude. I, I literally was so homeless. How homeless was he? I was so homeless 
that like literally they were kicking me out of schools because I had no place to go. So they were saying, you can't go to school here. So I didn't get a high school diploma. Yeah. I actually just got a high school diploma this past year because I saw the statistic that like Latinos, we have the least, we have the most like dropout rate. And I was like, well, fuck that. I can't have the white devil coming down on my people. I got to go out and get a diploma. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, but like real shit, I felt like, you know what? I, I felt I needed to do that and kind of like add some stability to my life. But the whole idea of transitioning and pivoting really came down to the idea of like, when do I realize that what my dream, what like my dream that I wanted wasn't enough and that's okay. It took me a long time to realize that, that it's okay for your dream to not be enough. It's okay to not identify by these terms that you kind of built in your own head. And, and like, cause I mean, that's, that's what it is. Like, we're just playing make-believe man. Like, you know that, like, like we're just, we're literally trying to fill shadows and shoes of people that never asked us to do that. Right. And yeah. it's like, and it's like, it's fucking, it's like a, a, an awakening when you realize that, like when you wake up one day and you realize that it doesn't make one bit of motherfucking difference. If you decide to spend today on the couch in your robe, or if you decide to go out and try to climb a mountain, but whatever the fuck you decide to do, just commit to it. And it doesn't make a bit of fucking difference except to anybody in the world, except to yourself. Right. And Absolutely. that's like, that's a simple way to put it, but there are no rules like there are no rules in our lives and there are no rules as an artist or as a creative and there are no fucking rules when it comes to making fucking movies and that's no. the whole point right or right. creating content sorry yes, i'm sorry you're moving out of movies into talk shows so now no, and, i gotta say creating content right no it is a content it is content we've been creating content forever yeah and like that was the thing like you okay so here's something like I'm not, all right, I, I, I want to talk about myself and what I'm doing and kind of jerk my dick a little bit. Everybody wants to jerk their dick. But, like, what I really want to do is, like, actually talk about some of the things you talked about. and Because where you said something about, oh, you wake up and you get a million views. And then you wake up tomorrow and you say, how do I get 10 million? Yeah. I know that feeling because back in 2011, I was a professional YouTuber. That's what I did. Like, it was, a, it was around the time, like, not getting into the nitty gritty. There was a... It was, there was no confrontation between Facebook and Google at the time. They're actually working together. Right. So Facebook's algorithms were boosting the YouTube videos as kind of a way to say thank you because Google was trying to buy Facebook. Um, and not getting into the whole business side of that, I happened to go viral at the time whenever like I wasn't expecting those things to happen. Like I literally posted a video and then I woke up the next day to a thousand friend requests. And I was like, holy shit, what's going on? My life changed overnight. And... But what got me there was like, I was literally posting videos Monday through Friday, every single day at the same time. And that was before people were doing that yeah. because I was actually hurting myself by oversaturating myself. The algorithm actually punished me for that back then. <laughs> That's nuts. That's nuts to think about that. Like algorithms were punishing me for posting too much. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of the world that I was sitting in at the time. And out of nowhere, I got big and like, I was living a life I never thought I was going to live. I was this YouTuber and, oh, look at Jamie, so cool. Oh, and it kind of got in my head. And I was I was like, I got to be bigger. I got to be bigger. I got to do this. I got to work with bigger people, all this type of shit. And, like, the views are never enough, man. And um, 
that it eventually my life crumbled and I quit and I walked away from that. And then I didn't do an on-screen type of thing for like almost this entire past decade. I just, yeah. from 2012 to like now, launching the new late night show. So kind of talking a little bit about the, the views, if you had 1 million people watch you do any fucking thing, It'd be the most exhilarating thing in the world. Like what you said like earlier, dude, you should be patting yourself on the back. You are building something fucking amazing. Right now you have X and X amount of people in here watching the show. That is wonderful. And that like, who gives a shit if it's 10, 12, 24, 200 people when someone cares, that's all that matters. That's right. Who gives a fuck about how many it is? That's right. Like, Dude, where we were talking about uh, the late night show and me doing that, when my late night, and it's a horror late night show, anybody who wants to, it's Five for Frost, it's, it's really dope, we just talk about horror movies and everything, it's got a really cool format, you'll see it, it's coming out, if you don't see it, that's cool too, it's alright, but uh, the whole thing about it is like, it's really, really dope to just acknowledge the fact that like, these are people, these aren't numbers, and like, that's the difference, where everybody gets it in their head and they start seeing the likes and the comments and the shares as numbers. When you stop looking at that and you go, those are people. Yeah. They're fucking people. Yeah. And you go five shares. That's amazing. That's five people who said, I want my friends to know about this. Mm -hmm. if, if you looked at it like a business and a salesman, if this was a salesman, that would be five people who said, I like your product. I believe you. Those are potential people to keep just, you feed them. You said, oh, well, you like this? You're really going to like this. And they're like, I do really like that. Thank you, Jade. And you're like, hell yeah, you do. I bet you like this too. Like, And you keep doing that. And then yeah. if you only cater to that idea of really caring about them, that changes social media. When you stop looking at likes as numbers and you start looking at them as people, your whole world changes. And when your perspective changes, that's when you truly reach success. Well, that's right. And we talked a lot about perspectives the other day. And, you know, with the Indie Brigade, with the Indie Brigade numbers, man, the people who are watching, we've got uh, between all of us who are part of the brigade, as you will see being now that you're being bled in, basically, you will see we all have very good. We all have very good relationships with everybody commenting, everybody here. They are people, they, but beyond them being people to us and to me, they're all artists and they're all like me and I'm fucked up like uh, all of us. And we're all fucked up because we're all fucking artists. And that's yeah. what we come together about. And the thing that Especially I love, the, the thing I love the about the Indie Brigade and the people who are in the Indie Brigade, man, is that that we all share the same same fucking pain. It doesn't matter if you if if somebody's got a hundred thousand dollar budget or no budget or a red uh, a red camera or a cell phone camera. They're still we're all still picking days to sit in the dark and fucking argue with our inner creative, right? And yeah. that's the thing that gets in the way of a lot of us in the brigade. And that's what I think has started to speak to some folks who are who have really caught on and really started to enjoy being here <clears throat> and that's what's important to me about everybody who is here you know yeah. like dude i'm telling you this is the best this is the best fucking community of people i've ever seen in my entire life of doing this and i can't wait for you to really kind of like learn that people who are here like we're we literally are all like a family it is fucking crazy and it's so fucking yeah. cool you know what i mean and 
that's the importance. That's what social media is. That's what your social media network is. Yeah. Is is a family. It's a group of people. You create these bonds. Like, for example, um, when my engagement, remember how we talked about my engagement video going viral and yeah. I tailored that campaign and I kind of turned it into a campaign. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, had reached 2.4 million people within a week. Um, I commented back to almost every single comment on that video mm-hmm. that first week, every single comment on a 2.4 million viewed video. I, I commented back to almost every comment. Yeah. And it's, it's because taking that little bit of time and that's not a thanks, LOL. Yeah. Stuff like that. No, I'm like, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Blah, da, 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 da. You know, I, and you, you develop these little bonds where they, you show that, Hey, I care. And, and dude, that's tough for me. That's tough for anybody to try to talk to that many strangers and you get overwhelmed. But what you do is you take yourself back and you say, these people are took the time to leave a comment like that. You, what you don't I don't think what people understand. And here's a little informational tip. Facebook is now implemented in their um, their user interface pre uh, pre made comments now. So yeah. whenever you con- like you see a post and it says happy birthday, you don't even have to write happy birthday anymore. You click happy birthday. And the reason why is, is because getting people to come out of their box to, to leave a comment is one of the most difficult things in the world. So if anybody ever leaves a comment, just liking it and moving on is the biggest dickhead thing you could do. Ignoring it's even worse. Leave a comment back. These people want to talk. And if you want to look at it from a business sense and you go, well, Jaden, how does this benefit me? Understand that the algorithms see comments being made and then they see conversation conversation means more time spent on the platform more time spent on the platform means more potential money that they can make and it means less time you're spending on other people's platforms so that means that they can pitch those things to advertisers and make more money so if you want to think about it this way from a business standpoint by creating conversation on your posts by contributing to the conversation of the internet you're actually making the business side of social media want to reward you more. And that is what is important. I tell bands all the time because bands are really, really fucking bad about this. If they will, they will post a picture of them in the studio and they'll get very little likes. They'll post a picture of them live. They'll get very little likes. Then they'll make a, like a really cute, goofy post of them on the road and they'll get a ton of likes and comments. And then what's their next post? Them in the studio again. Right. And I'm like, okay, if you were a fucking, like, a, a restaurant, if you were a restaurant and you were selling chicken sandwiches, okay, and you were selling chicken sandwiches out the ass, and and but nobody was liking them, everybody was complaining, maybe people weren't buying them, and they were like, you know what, your chicken sandwich suck dick, dude. <laughs> they are the worst chicken sandwiches ever. But then one day you release a hamburger. You release a hamburger and everybody loses their mind. You sell out. It goes nuts. Everybody loses their shit. This is, they're like, this is the greatest hamburger ever. Would you go back to selling the chicken sandwich? Exactly. No. Right. But no, that's but that's what people do on social media. They'll make right. a post that doesn't work. And then when people don't care about it. And now, now, here's the thing to remember, too. It's not a matter of people not seeing it. Because if you check your analytics, if you check your analytics and it says, 600 people saw this post, okay? Now, thinking 500 people liking the post is not a, a logical thing. Like, you, what you've got to think is look at 10% of the people that are looking at your stuff. So 10% of 600, I'm not a math magician. Uh, so I, I think that's 60. 
Okay, so we'll say 60 people. If you get 60 likes out of 600 people seeing it, that's amazing. But if you only get 10 likes out of 600 people seeing it, your post sucks dick. You right. made a bad post. Don't do it again. <laughs> but, but the problem is, is that what, they're, what people are doing with their feeding into social media is they're feeding their ego. Look at me do this. Look at me do that. That's right. And instead of, right. And they, they want to brag. I'm in the studio. I'm, I'm doing a live show. And, and they're like, okay, well, who gives a fuck? I yeah. want to care about the person not the musician. Well, and I'm going to take that full circle back to the early part of this conversation because the posts that don't work and the posts versus the posts that do work, the chicken sandwich versus the hamburger, right? Like straight up, dude, the, the shit that doesn't work is the stuff that people have convinced themselves that their audience wants to see instead of, instead of changing their perspective to, to mention something you brought up earlier and fucking yeah. pivoting and doing mm -hmm. something that their audiences want to see and are interested in. If you're making a horror film about a killer, people don't want to see you, you know, uh, blowing out candles on a fucking minion cake, right? They want to see right, shit right. having to do, they want to see blood. They want yeah, to yeah. Eat, you know. Give them what, what they're asking for. Don't give them a zombie movie with no zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and if you do that, don't spend $18,000 of your hard-earned money on it. Well, technically, you did give him a zombie for 46 seconds. 45 seconds I gave him a zombie, and my amazing wife killed it, and, and Joey Clark played the zombie. He killed it, and everybody in that fucking movie killed it. Everybody in that movie killed it except my dumbass script. And But that's totally fine. I, I mean, my dialogue is impeccable, but you, it doesn't matter how good someone's dialogue is. You shouldn't probably sell a whole movie on it. Right, but you know, but take that up with my love of Tarantino and Kevin Smith. Uh, but at the at the end of the day, I think what really has to come down to is what we were saying and about like even talking about pivoting and people. And if you're an independent filmmaker or musician or somebody watching this fucking thing right now, understand that your behavior is stupid if you do this. But you're not alone. You're not alone because people are in fucking like huge, huge bands. And there's huge people doing this and fucking failing. They're doing the same thing. <laughs> there are people with hundreds of thousands of followers doing the same dumb mistake. I literally, I proved this to a friend of mine. He's in a butt rock band. And uh, <laughs> I love him. It's, it, he plays mainstream 2000s rock. And I'm like, sorry, dude, Nickelback's butt rock. We're just <laughs> uh, butt rock's cool, but it's still butt rock. But still... He was, I was like, well, tell me right now a band on social media that you would like to be like. And he said, Shinedown. And I was like, okay, let's check out Shinedown stuff. So I was showing him Shinedown shit in studio post. It was getting like, I think 20,000 likes. We'll say 20K. It's probably a little more, a little less. It doesn't matter. 20,000 likes on um, um, a fucking onstage post. 20,000 likes on a studio post. And then it went back and forth like that because they're on tour in the studio. Blah, da, 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 da. And then the vocalist takes a picture in the gym. And he's wearing a Shinedown shirt, and it's a selfie. And he says, is it lame to wear your own band shirt to the gym? Right. It had 100,000 likes on it. Sure. 100,000 likes in all these comments of people having a conversation. And you know what their next post was? Them in the fucking studio again. <laughs> and the next post is them on stage again. And they didn't make another post like that. And you want to know where their numbers went? right back to 20k yeah because they are just not listening right people aren't listening they're what they're doing is saying like this share this comment here 
Give me, give me time. Give me your attention. Give me, give me, give me, give me. But motherfuckers, what are you giving the culture? That's what right. are you giving the scene? What are you wanting to give them? Like, there's a reason people say, oh, well, social media sex sells. Yeah, but they're not selling sex. They're giving you their sex appeal. Right. That's what they're doing. It's not like they're wearing a fucking big ass hoodie and big ass sweatpants and saying, if you want to see this, leave a comment. No one's gonna leave a comment. They're like, "Bitch, keep your titties in your sweatshirt." We're moving on. <laughs> like, it's just how it is. But if they're like posting themselves, like all looking nude and naked and stuff, people are gonna leave a comment. Now that's kind of ridiculous to look at, but if we understand the psychology, psychology of it, the psychologically, right. if you look at the psychology of it, then you say these people, like these women, are giving something. They're saying, "Look at me half naked." In return, I want your likes and comments. That's right. Right. So that's what they're going to get because they're giving something. Sure. People are asking too much. They're being asking, they're they're asking to be given something all the time instead of saying, Hey, here's what I've got to give you. And it's like when we have to look at it, like I said, I spent eighteen thousand dollars on a movie that did get watched on Amazon Prime. I think that we had hundred and seventy-eight thousand people watch it on Amazon Prime. Those are good numbers. People watch it on YouTube. Yeah, it was pretty good numbers. I was pretty happy with it. Um, and what's crazy to think about is the 178,000 Amazon Prime uh, views. Those were all uh, natural. Those were not boosted. Those were not me putting it in places or anything like that. The YouTube video was, but that release was 100% its release. And I uh, I sold out all of my DVDs and Blu-rays on it. Um, and that's incredible. That Thank you. And and let's let's talk about why. That sounds like a really cool thing, right? Yeah. I only made a hundred Blu-rays. Sure. I only made a hundred DVDs. Yeah. I get to say I sold out because I didn't buy a dick ton. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's great. I didn't I didn't lose things. Like that's the problem. People go and say, I want my movie on Blu-ray. I want my movie on DVD. I want a thousand copies. Fool, you can't sell 10 copies. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like Sell it's insane. Yeah. yeah, I know it is. It really is. And, you know, we run into that a lot. And I've run into that a lot in my experience in the industry because, you know, I've been doing this since before we had all this stuff. And it was traditional right, sales right. agents and it was traditional this and traditional methods of that and, and all the same fucking bullshit of, hey, we're going to take your movie and we're going to sell it to, you know, 63 territories around the world. Uh, and we're going to take 50 grand out. We're going to take 50 grand from you to cover our fees. Well, I don't have 50 grand. And they say, well, don't worry. We'll take, we got you, kid. And uh, we'll just take it out, you know, when we get paid and then we'll pay you. Well, nobody tells you they're jumping in front of your investor. They're jumping in front of banks. They're jumping in front of PA. They're jumping in front of everything and they're taking their 50 G's. So all they care about is making their 50 G's. Just like all Shine Downs people care about is making that 20 grand, making that yep. 20,000 number. Because at, at that level, it is just about the metrics. It's just about the numbers, whether those numbers are cash dollars or eyeballs. And, mm -hmm. you know, for and eyeballs for some, equals cash dollars in 2020. Yeah. And so for some junior suits sitting there managing fucking Shine Downs, you know, Social media accounts, he's going, well, I hit my 20,000 every day this week. My job is safe, right? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> and that's exactly, that's, that's literally the mentality. And I've had that mentality. 
Right. And that's why, but that's, that's why we have to take it into our own hands. And that's why people in the Indy brigade need to fucking know how to do it better than the next guy. That's part of the Indy brigade. That's what we're here to do. Right. Dude, I, I seriously, speaking of social media, I got to go to NC state and talk to the marketing department uh, that was about to graduate. And I was the guest speaker. And I walked in there and I stood in front of everybody looking the way the fuck I look and I didn't dress any differently. And I said, hello, everybody. I want you to know. I don't have a high school diploma and every single one of you are going to lose your jobs to me. <laughs> Welcome to the future. <laughs> you Did you watch like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross right before you walked in there? Hey, everybody, what's my name? <laughs> Fuck you. That's my what name. Selling. <laughs> and when and they all just kind of looked around at me and they were like, and I was like, I, I watched all of them, their, like their faces get huge. And I watched the instructor, like, I guess the head of the department, his eyes got big. And I was like, oh, I'm coming for you too, fool. I'm coming for everybody in this motherfucker. <laughs> and I was like, that degree all you guys are working on are pointless. You're going to work jobs. Right now, you've learned about marketing from 10 years ago. The algorithms change every other month. And yeah. you guys have spent no time learning that. And that's where they're going to come to me because I have. That's right. That's the difference between me and all of you sitting out there today. And nobody knew what to say. And it's not that I was trying to demean them or bring them down. I want to challenge them and for them to understand that your education does not mean you deserve anything. And it's the same thing. If you work in a field forever, that does not mean your experience makes you deserve anything. That's you right. don't deserve shit. And then when people come around and they see that when all it takes is one conversation with me sitting in a room with the person who runs shine down social media or that, or their PR group. And I say, yo, you guys know that whoever you have on social is fucking up, right? Like the numbers are in front of them and they're ignoring it. Yeah. And they're going to go really, well, where do you see that at? And I'm like, well, check this out, this out, this out, this out, this out. And they're going to fire that asshole who was only getting 20 K and not listening to that because he wasn't doing his job. That's right. And, and that's the thing. Nobody, people are coasting. They're stepping side to side. They're doing everything they can to get by because maybe this guy is doing a social media campaign for Shinedown and what he really wanted to do was work at Pepsi. And he's like, dude, I only listen to EDM. I can't fucking stand Shinedown. <laughs> and that's cool. And that's fine. That's fine. Nobody's asking that fool to be like super, super enthralled in everything he's doing. But what's really important to remember is when you're working for yourself, You've got to find a way to make social media fun for you and fun for the people consuming it. And, and that is the bottom line because the people that are most successful in all of this, and this is what's crazy, and this is what every single artist who's watching this today needs to remind themselves of, is that when you're, watch, when, when you're creating your art, you have to create your social media content with the same love and enthusiasm. Because if you don't, and you just come off like somebody who's saying, hey, guys, check out my stuff. Hey, guys, check out my stuff. Hey, guys, check out my stuff. They're never going to look at it. And it's the A to B model. We're always going. I'm, I'm trying to find out where my hands are at. Yeah. Okay. So I'm big as fuck. A to B. So what we're doing, though, is people are adding in a middle point. They're going A, B to C and A, B to C to D. And but we, the thing is, is the content, the content is A. That is it. You create the content that's going to develop the relationship. It's like what you told me, and this is what changed my life. And everybody, this is why I love Romero so much. He's the shit. I love him. He changed my life. <laughs> I Back in 2013, 2014, I made a series called 
Take Care of Me. It was the first ever Instagram horror series. And, and some people fucked with it. And I was just talking about it with it backstage when we we're going over things. It says backstage. It says backstage on the side gimmick over there. But it was like, we were talking about this earlier and like backstage. And I talked about meeting John Casser, voice of the Crypt Keeper, Tales from the Crypt. Hey, but I got to meet John Casser. And then it was a really, really enjoyable time. I loved meeting him. And he changed a big part of my vision because it was like when John Casser started following me on Twitter and started talking to me about everything. And he was like, I really love what you're doing. I was like, yo, this is a horror icon. I think I'm on. I think I'm getting put on right now. I'm getting co-signed. And then I started getting a lot of shit talk to me from the rest of the industry. And I said, you know what? Fuck all y'all. I'm going to keep trying to do this. And I kept doing it, kept doing it. I released other Instagram horror series. And that's a completely different thing. But I was the first person to do it. And I was getting like almost a thousand likes a post at the time. It was really, really insane on Instagram because I was I didn't even have that many followers. So yeah. that was back when the Explore page was a completely different environment. Hashtag game was different. And it was a really, really fun time for social. But my point is, is that people really were telling me, fuck you, kid. They're like, and, and horror can be in an elitist world. It unfortunately can be. And I was being pushed aside. And I wanted to make a movie, but I was like, I'm just a fucking Instagram horror guy. Just like back in the day, whenever I had my YouTube vlogs, I was like, I'm just a fucking YouTube vlogger. I'm not a movie maker. I don't fucking, I'm not a filmmaker. I'm not a director. And then the same way, when I finally started directing, I was like, I'm not a fucking horror filmmaker. I just make little stupid stuff on Instagram. And when I said that to Romero, when we met, he said, stop acting like you're not already in the party. You're not standing on the outside of the room, banging on the door, waiting for somebody to open it up and let you in. You're already in the room. Now it's your turn to actually provide and do something about it. And I took that advice and I started thinking about it and I put it this way. And I took that, like I said, I took the same advice and I added a new narrative to it. It's the idea about taking all of these things and you're standing in this party, okay? And this, look at social media as that party. You're standing in the party who do you want to listen to? Do you want to listen to the guy that when you're talking and you're saying, oh my God, I really love this movie and I really love this movie. And then you walk in and you say, look at my movie. And you're like, oh, no, no, no we're, we're, we're not talking about your movie, but, but my movie. Like, that's what people are doing on social media. They're not contributing to the conversation. They're demanding they talk about them. Right. And if you were actually in a party and acted like that, you would get your ass beat and thrown out the party. Yeah. Nobody wants that guy there, but everybody's on the internet doing that. They're not contributing to the party. They're not making it more fun. They're not coming up with things. They're not contributing to the conversation. They're just saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. I promise you I'm worth your time. Look at me. And but no one's going to look at you. Just join the party. Talk about things. If somebody says, oh, man, I really I, I hated this movie and you go well i really enjoyed it there's nothing wrong with disagreeing with people ask That's them right. why enjoying that conversation and then when somebody says oh well you know what zombie movies are all the same and i go yeah you know but making a different type of zombie movie uh it, you can kind of step on eggshells it's kind of what i did and they go really you you made a zombie movie and i'm like yeah i made a zombie movie it's on amazon prime and they'll go i'll check it out now i got one view Yep. One person went and checked out my movie because I had a conversation with them about zombie movies. Right. And that changed everything. When I when I started learning that that's how social media in the real world works, because everybody's thinking about how can I get a thousand views? How can I get a million views? 
Well, I'm about to shake everybody's shit up with this, okay? Because here comes some fucking cold hard facts that I love telling bands, okay? <laughs> if you think you need a million people in your life, in your career, a million fans to be successful, that is bullshit. Because check out the numbers. If you had 1,000 fans, just 1,000 fans, and that was what, and I'm not talking about 1,000 likes and 1,000 followers, I'm talking about 1,000 fans. And they truly cared and gave a fuck about your shit. And every time you release something, they would be like, yeah, 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 yeah. If you released four t-shirts in a year, four t-shirts at $25 a pop to those 1,000 fans, you would make $100,000 a year off of four t-shirts. That's not even counting your actual content. That is four t-shirt designs sold to 1,000 people. You do not need a million people to be successful. That's you right. don't. And that changes everything when you look at social media, because suddenly that one person, that one person you're talking to about zombie movies and you say, by the way, check out my movie and they become a fan. You are one closer to a thousand. But if you looked at it as one closer to a million, you no matter what, every single day, you feel like you're stepping towards an abyss that you're never going to reach. But you can clearly reach a thousand. And that little bit of thing, whether it's a big step or a little step, every day take a damn step towards your dream because you're not dreaming anymore. It's 2020 and it's your reality. And because every bit of success is right here in this fucking phone and everybody's running around not understanding that. And if you are, if, if you don't achieve your dreams in 2020, 2021, 2022, in this present time, if you don't achieve your dreams, you miss the point because you miss changing your perspective. That is just the honest to goth truth. Nobody is stopping you but you. Because just like Romero told me, you're already in the party. Do something about it. Stop waiting for someone to open the door for you. That's right. Boom, man. That Sorry, was, that was a long diatribe. No, yeah. no, no. Listen, man. I, I just kind of listen. I love a lot of times that's what the entire point of the brigade is, man. I, I have folks on who are friends who I have personal relationships and connections with. Uh, and, and a lot of times I have new, new friends on. And sometimes the first conversation I've ever had with somebody has been on live on the show, but, you know, uh, going back to the history you and I have together, man, you know, we had some deep conversations back then. And, uh, and I remember, I remember when I met you and I remember some of the stuff you were saying, and I remember everything I ever said to you. And, you know, um, yeah, I what you told me how to deal with PR because remember, I was going to be on the news and you made me call you. You said, Hey, man, you need to call me. You're going to be on the news. I got to tell you how to do this shit. <laughs> and this is just, I have to let everybody know. I have to let everybody know before you continue, man. This is what you told me. Okay. You said, I was like, dude, I don't know when this movie's ever going to come out. We don't have budget. And you said, never tell the press you don't have budget. <laughs> never tell them you don't know when the movie's coming out. You go out there and you give them a date. And if they, and when the date comes up, you say shit came up and we changed the date and you keep doing that. And I was like, but why? And he said, cause it's controversial. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And you said, I would never, I told people I would never in my life do a zombie movie, that that is my dad's thing. I would never do a zombie movie. And then you said, but I'm doing a zombie movie now. And you know what people are going to do? They're going to bring up that article that said, he, I thought you said you would never do a zombie movie. <laughs> and then you'd say, thank you for the free pass. <laughs> and, 
it is brilliant. It's brilliant. It definitely changed a lot. And then, like, as I say that, you got the poster for Rise back there. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's it's perfect. It's perfect. Like, Dude, it's still coming, you know? You're not going to do something. Dude, this project has been a fucking, it's been the best experience of my life, and it's been the bane of my existence all at the same time, you know? It's crazy. I've literally walked away from easy money for this project, man. I've walked Dude. away. Like more, I can imagine. more than a half dozen times I've walked away from easy money because, you know, like my whole, the whole project was born. I don't ever talk about my own shit on this show, so I'm not going to get it too much into it, but the whole thing was born out of I'll a conversation. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole thing was born out of a conversation where somebody said, you know, why don't you make a zombie movie? And I said, no. Uh, and they said, why not? And I said, that's my dad's thing. And they said, and they, they asked me a question that changed my fucking perspective. They said, well, what kind of zombie movie would you make? And in the room, dude, in the fucking room, it was like a cartoon light bulb and like a whole fucking thing. And I said, you know what? I have one and I've been writing it for a fucking year. So give me a week and I'll get it to you. And I left and I went home and I was like, uh, <laughs> writing this thing up. And I wrote like, I, I wrote the most fucking incredibly drunken, weird movie that ended with Evan City getting nuked and the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then I went back and kind of thought about it again calmly. And I realized what I had come up with. And I'd come up with the one zombie film that I will make before I die. And, uh, and I wrote it out it's of love. It's funny. Actually, I saw people talking about you the other day. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It was on, um, what was it? I think it was Dread Central. Okay. It was amazing because Tom Savini is so sassy on social media. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Dread Central said, Sci-Fi orders 10 new episodes of uh, Dawn of the Dead series. Day of the Dead. Yeah, that was a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then fucking Savini fucking commented. He said, ordered from whom? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh! But I was... I was reading in the comments and everybody was like, is this his son's rise? And yeah. everybody was talking about it because they're waiting on it. And I thought that was really cool because you don't do a lot of press for it. You don't do a lot, a lot of PR for it. And yet here people are going, fuck sci-fi channel. This ain't the shit. And like, <laughs> this, the, this is the real shit. Like, and I thought that was really dope. So yeah. I'm going to tell, tell you that on the phone the other day. But yeah, yeah. that's pr- I didn't know that that's what was happening out there. That's pr- I don't follow... Uh, a lot of stuff about myself, as you know, I'm my least favorite topic, but, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Dude, which I'm, really works well if you're trying to get out there, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty funny. And that was a pretty funny story that came out. And then, uh, some other shit happened the next day about it that, that I commented on. So I'm curious to see if that stuff ever gets dredged up around the, Oh, internet. really? We got to like, is that something we got to talk about a personal, like one-on-one? Yeah, probably. It's pretty funny. Actually. Okay. I think you'll get a big kick out of it. Okay. Here's Joe Ranchley, uh, to remind me that it's time for, no, 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 no. I got to pause for station identification and tell everybody they're listening to the Romero pictures Indie brigade podcast with your host, me, George C. Romero producer extraordinaire Joe Ridgely and uh, we're talking with Jaden Frost a dear friend and social media guru and uh, I also want to take this moment to pause and have Joe read some of these comments that have been popping up he's been throwing them on the screen but a lot of times we get I get into a flow with the guests and so that's why Joe pops up here to remind me and to give me a chance to look him in the eye when I say go fuck yourself Joe <laughs> Actually, I was reminding you, you do have another guest scheduled also. I know I do. I know I do. 
<laughs> Yo, by the way, I have to say too, um, I made a watch party on my Facebook as a little test. Awesome. And yeah, and like, yo, start using watch parties. Right now, it is the highest boosted thing on all uh, Facebook's algorithms is watch parties. It is now topping live. So if you can like launch a live, like if, if you do a live and then make a watch party out of it, it double boosts the algorithm. So yeah, it's been you, really cool. Do that. You just made Joe, you just made both of Joe's eyebrows go up. He just said, Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like if you want, go check out my Facebook uh, whenever we're done with this and look at my watch party. I don't know how many people have been in there. And if you guys are still watching from my page, hey, but like go and definitely check that out and see how many of my fa of like my my followers and friends jumped in there. All right. So it's yeah, it's definitely interesting to see how those tides shift. That's cool, man. That's cool. Well, we're gonna be doing a lot of work together here coming up. And I'm really happy that you and I have reconnected, brother. It's really nice Same. to be to be reconnected with you. And I can't tell you how good it does, how much good it does me in my heart to see what's happened in your life and what you've done and the perspective shift and the and the change that you've done since we spoke, man. It's uh it's unbelievable. I'm so proud of you, brother. And I'm just Thank I'm you, happy you're here, man. And I'm proud of everything you're building, and I'm proud to be here. And I've seen the comments popping up, but I talk a lot, so I'm like, I'm on a roll. I'll get to you guys, but thank you guys, yeah. everybody at Indie Brigade, for like letting me, and thank you guys for letting me talk to you guys. But like, thank you guys for listening to me. I know I can be a little obnoxious and shit, and I hope I don't like deter you with that. And please understand, the information that I'm giving you is not the end all, be all. I will gladly suck on my own toes, put my foot in my mouth. You know, like that's. If you think that I'm wrong, prove me wrong. And, um, yeah. Listen, bro, we're proud to have you here as the voice of this stuff for the brigade. You know, we don't say that everything we do, we, we make no claims that everything we say and do is the fucking gospel, but it works. We have a unique and different way of looking at, at how to do this stuff for the indies. And, um, you know, it seems to really be working. So a lot of people seem to really be enjoying uh, you know, or, or, you know, a lot of people seem to be, uh, smelling what we're shoveling, you know what I'm saying? So, um, I think it's, it's really good. Uh, we've got, dude, I'm telling you, the more you get involved, you'll get an invite to a, a private community right now that we, it's, it's a invite only group that we're basically okay. sort of seating, but, you know, um, and that before we open it up to the public and, and, and go big with it, but it's a true space for collaboration. It's a true space to be involved with people. Um, and then we're going to get you added to the mentor program here. Uh, probably this weekend, I'll have all your shit up on the website nice. so people can book, uh, people can book, uh, sessions with you. Um, what else, uh, do you want, where can people go to find you? What do you want to plug, man? Plug it. Uh, I guess at the end of the day, um, oh shit, it's just me now. Hey, hey everybody, it's just me. Okay. So I have a late night talk show coming out. If you are a fan of horror and you just like to hear people talk about horror, that's what we do there. It is amazing. Uh, myself, I'm a horror director and screenwriter. And my wife, she's a set designer, and, uh, special effects makeup artist. Also, she's hot, so it's all it's entertaining to stare at her. And then we've got a film historian on there, and he has been one of my long-term life best friends, and he's absolutely amazing. We have segments where we go in and out. It's a late-night show. That's, I believe, something that is missing in the world of late night. And what it is, is niche content. And that's what I'm trying to provide. And if I succeed with it, definitely, definitely check that out. But what we're, this, what I wanted to say this earlier, and I'm going to kind of take this little time because you put it on me, and I'm sorry to the other guests. I want to say this. It's important to understand that the industry does not understand you yet and does not understand this business. Right now, I was given the Nielsen ratings last week 
of Conan O'Brien was only reaching 67,000 people on his show on network cable. My show on Amazon Prime with no promotion is looking at 77,000 views. Stop waiting for people to open the door, man. I'm telling you because fuck the Nielsen ratings, fuck all that shit, fuck cable, fuck these things. You can take control just like what we're doing here at Indie Brigade. You can take the control and you can be in control of what you're doing and you can change the rules and do not let them set rules for you because here's the thing about the rule makers. They don't understand what we're doing here. They don't, and I'm not just saying here in Indie Brigade, I'm talking about on the internet in 2020, they don't understand. So take control of that. If you want to find me, you can find me at Mr. Jaden Frost across all social media platforms. And if you want to follow my show, it is five, four frost, F I V E F O R frost is in Jack. And that is my plug. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, If you don't have any plans the rest of the night and you want to stick around, I'm about to bring up Jimmy. All right. Until my Uh, wife gets home and says, stop talking to people on the internet. I'm going to bring up our next guest here, Jimmy Starr. And after he and I chat a little bit, maybe we can bring you back up and have a little round robin or, 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 you know, some, see what happens. All right. Sounds good. Thank you guys again for letting me be on here. Thank you, brother. Yeah, he's going to be reoccurring, right? Fuck you, Joe. Fuck you, Joe. Fuck you, long time. What are we watching, George? What are we listening to? I don't know. I don't have any music playing. What are you listening to? <laughs> well, you're going to introduce Jimmy Starr in a second. So, okay, I'll let you introduce him, and then you can tell people what they're listening to. Jimmy Starr. Hey, what's up? <laughs> I love that guy you just had on. I didn't know who he was before. He's awesome. Jaden, what's up? You're awesome. He's amazing. Well, after you and I talk for a little bit, I think maybe we'll bring him up and maybe the three of us can chat or the two. I I, th- I would love to see the two of you just kind of talk about some shit too. So, love you know, um, but Jimmy, thank you for coming on. I have to take this moment to tell everybody they're listening to the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade podcast. Uh, with me, your host, George C. Romero, and my ever-faithful producer extraordinaire, Joe Ridgely. Right now, we're chatting with publicist extraordinaire, Jimmy Starr, all the way from Hollywood. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> it's like 7 o'clock here, and you guys, it's only 7 o'clock here. You guys, it's late, but uh, I think it's like awesome and very excited to be here, and you guys rock. Well, thank you, Jimmy. You know, first of all, I never like to kind of, uh, I, I like to let guests kind of introduce themselves uh, in their own terms. So why don't you just kind of say hello to everybody who's watching uh, and tell everybody a little bit about yourself and, and what you're doing and uh, that kind of thing. Okay, cool. What's up, everybody? I'm Jimmy Starr. I guess I'm mostly known for hosting the Jimmy Starr Show with Ron Russell. Uh, we're the number one web show in the world and top 100 podcasts on iHeartRadio for the last nine uh, weeks in a row out of 750,000 shows. Um, I'm also an entertainment publicist. I work with a lot of people in the horror community and, um, and I'm a film producer and I'm an actor, but I don't really, I'm not really a good actor. I suck at acting. They just put me in films because I've got a half a million followers in social media and they want me to promote it. (laughs) 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 But I actually suck, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm in a lot of shit just because of that. Well, hey, man, you know, that's something that we can talk about. You know, you've got half a million followers. That's, uh, you know, and and all of the other stuff aside, you and I, we've become very good friends over this whole, I don't know, the past year, I think, since we met and and started really talking. Um, and, you know, you are on top of your fucking game, man. Like, you know this shit 
when it comes to the indie world, when it comes to publishing, uh, publicity, uh, press, that type of thing for the indie community. You know it better than anybody I've ever met. And what I love about you is that you're willing to work with some of these people in the smaller indie side of things. You know how hard it is for indie filmmakers to go out there and find a publicist who doesn't get, who doesn't look at them and say, give me $10,000 a month or tell your story walking? No, I, I absolutely. And I, I break all barriers as far as PR goes. I have a partner. Her name's Eileen Shapiro. She lives in New York. Um, we, uh, we were only in business for six months and I got named best, uh, entertainment publicist in the U S and we primarily work with indie people and we try to promote them. Um, I have a husband who's an actor. He has a new movie that just came out clown fear through Lionsgate. And, uh, uh, I think that everybody needs to be heard and, and you don't have, and just like, just like what that other guy was saying a minute ago, like people don't know anything. Uh, and, and it's very easy to, if as long as you don't sit around waiting for something to happen and you go grab it by the balls, like you can really make a big stink in the indie world just by, you know, promoting yourself. Well, yeah. And you know, that's kind of what I want to get into you a little with, with you uh, a little bit about is, you know, unit publicity versus uh, filmmaker publicity versus project publicity versus company publicity. Like, I, you know, we get a lot of people out there who they make their first film and they form a company and now they're making their movie and they announce their production company and they announce this project and this script and this and that. And the next thing you know, you've got a filmmaker out there who's running around with all these little sub brands and sub things, you know, they're, they're pushing this project and this company and this, whatever the fuck and this tchotchke and this widget and, you know, and, and, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, they, they get, they get mired very quickly in the fact that they're, they're overwhelmed and, and everything, it's kind of like that whole thing, you know, directing and, and acting at the same time. There is a handful of people who can do it. Most people can't because when you do too much, something suffers. Yes. Right. And, Absolutely. you know, so in terms of some folks who are just starting out and just trying to figure out or have a movie that's done or near done and just trying to figure out, you know, how to maybe introduce that to the world or themselves to the world, you know, what, what, what's a, what's a smarter path to take? Is it smarter to start out with unit publicity for a project or is it smarter to try to build a brand around yourself? Uh, you know, what are some differences? And when you talk to some folks, you know, what do you tell them when it comes to this kind of confusion? Because it's a common thing that people don't know what the fuck to do. First, I think people have to make sure that they comprehend that the whole thing is a business. This is a business. You have to be creative to make a film, but it's still a business. And if you want to be able to make another one, you need to make money. And to make money, you have to treat it as a business and not just as a like, a, oh, I'm going to make a movie. And now what do I do with it thing? Especially if you're dumping money into it. You know, if you're spending money to make a movie and and you don't have a plan of what are you going to do with it once you've actually made it, you know, you're totally like screwing yourself over. And and I see it all the time, especially with indie filmmakers. And it doesn't matter how big you are. I mean, I've seen five thousand dollar movies. I've worked on fifty thousand, sixty thousand. Now I'm working on a two million dollar one. I mean, you can work on it. Doesn't matter what it is. The goal is to make money, build your brand. And I would say build it around yourself. I always, I mean, I, I am a brand. Jimmy Starr is a brand. Um, if you Google me, I have like six or 700 million search results um, because I've built it as a brand to make sure everything comes back to me. Um, so I would build it as a brand. You're a brand. And it doesn't matter what you do. And you could write books. Whatever you do, the brand is still you are the brand. So I would build it around the brand. It's very, unpopular, very popular to um, work on social media. So you should have a social media for yourself. 
And then you can have social media for your projects also. If every time you make a movie, you know, you can you can create new accounts for all of that, but still make sure that everything always ties back to you as the leader of the brand. Right. Uh, it's super, super important. Um, so once you've taken it as a business, then, you know, you should always be looking for publicity for yourself as you're going along and any opportunities that come along like this. You know, what an honor for me to be able to come on and talk with you on the Indie Brigade, you know, show. It's a big deal. So um, anytime you have an opportunity to, talk about whatever it is that you're doing that helps build your brand and makes more people know about you that might not have known about you before. Um, so that, that's another thing that's, you know, there's so many like parts to it that are super important, but the biggest thing is you got to get your stuff out there. And, and, and you, if you're relying and depending that somebody else is going to do it for you, you're fucking yourself because it's never going to happen. It's like people sitting around, Oh, I know so many actors and they're waiting for somebody to knock on the door and, and call them, you know, to be in a movie and it's just not going to fucking happen. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, no matter what, they, they, they will never call. It doesn't matter if you're best friends, you know, um, I, I have had conversations with people who have been best friends with huge people in the industry since before they were huge in the industry. And, you know, it was always the bros stick together kind of thing. And then so-and-so goes on and wins this award. And then so-and-so's phone doesn't ring and, you know, and it happens a lot, you know, and, uh, and it sucks, but you're right. It is a brand. Everything's a brand and building it any chance you get. And, you know, it's, it's a bigger deal for you to be here talking to the Indie Brigade, man, you know, uh, and we're, we're very excited about it. This is something, this is uncharted territory in terms of what I've seen as readily available information to indie filmmakers out there. Um, you know, the fact that you are even willing to come on and talk about some of this stuff is more than most publicists will do, you know? Well, I think they're, they're not looking to build a business then. I'm looking, you know, I have like a philosophy in it. It has nothing to do with me being a publicist. I guess I work in entertainment. I know a lot of people in social media. Um, you know, I know, I, I, first of all, I'm nice to everybody. So it doesn't matter. You could be Charlize Theron or you could be the garbage man. I'm going to treat you the same because I, I think you treat people the way you want to be treated and be nice to everybody. And my philosophy is that there's no reason why everybody can't be successful and everybody can't help everybody else to become successful. So like I work with people on social media and I promote them. Uh, you know, I tweet, retweet their stuff and do all kinds of things. And they do the same thing for me. And it's a, it's a give and take. And everybody's working together to help build each other's brand as opposed to people who just come to you and say, you, know, you probably get it all the time because you're freaking George Romero. So like, you know, people probably come to all you all the time. Oh, you know, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And, and, and never offer any kind of reciprocation. It's like the takers, I think, never make it. Um, I think eventually they like they crash and burn and people who are willing to like you are doing with this show. You have this show. This actually show helps a lot of people learn new things that they wouldn't be able to get anywhere else because people probably don't want to talk about it. And so you're giving so much back to the to the indie film community, um, and and everybody should be paying attention to it and and trying to absorb as much of it as they can. And if you were to go to somebody and say, hey, you know, I don't know, can you do something for me? And you're you're you know, hopefully the people will reciprocate because I think that that's the way that everybody's career builds and everybody works together, uh, and everybody can be successful as opposed to one person getting all the success and everybody else getting shit on. Well, yeah. And, you know, and it is true. I do get hit up a lot. But, you know, on the other hand, um, I don't ever ask for anything. You know, I mean, you know me well enough to know how many times have you told me on pri on private phone calls that I'm, I got to stop doing that. But, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I try to help as many people as I can. And I try to just, uh, you know, um, 
I, I don't do it for anything other than the fact that I feel good at the end of the day for doing it. We just got, we're having some people throw up some comments here uh, that Joe's putting on the screen. Um, you know, like Paul Brooks, J Jimmy, are you currently looking for new clients? I don't mean to speak for you, but you are correct. I'm, I mean, I'm always looking for clients. I mean, I, I, one thing that makes me different than most publicists, well, there's a lot of things. I'm not, I'm not as expensive as most publicists, but uh, the big thing for me is that I let people come on for as long as they want. So if you want to come on and you got one project and you need a month of promotion, you don't have to sign like a six month. Most, most publicists make you sign a six month contract or a year contract. You can come on month to month with me. You can come on one month, skip three months and come back for a month. You know, I let people come on just, you got to do a month, but uh, you know, a month at a time. So I don't lock them into anything and they can see how we work and how we get along. And I have many, many clients who've used me, you know, in the, the, the few years I've been doing it, they come back every six months, you know, for another little burst of whatever it is that they need, you know, help with. So that's one of the big things that that separates us from everybody else. Well, yeah. And, you know, I mean, uh, I've actually been really excited to have you on the show for, for a while because a lot of people don't realize you're actually already part of our mentor program. Yes. I, and, and you are you are our resident sort of publicist. So anybody who comes to us. Uh, with publicity stuff, they they get referred directly to you, uh, and you're sort of the official, uh, you know, unit and, and independent filmmaker publicist of the of the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade. So, uh, but this is the first chance we've ever we our schedules have worked out. So, uh, I'm hoping and I fucking like love this shit too. <laughs> it's fun as shit, right? Like we yeah. just. Yeah. <laughs> like look at some of these other comments man like Ron up here he says he's trying to build him as the brand but he can't get it going uh, and if you need to make money on the first movie to make a second one it would appear he's one and done done at one well you know Ron what sucks is that if that's how you feel then that goes back to what Jaden was talking about about changing your perspective you're never fucking done you just need to figure out a new perspective and 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 figure out a kind of different spin do a pivot whatever it is you know, and that's what Jaden's talking about, and that's what what Jimmy Starr is here talking about right now too. Is is you know, you're never just done at one if you don't want to be done at one, right? I mean, no, absolutely. Everybody goes through hardships. Not to go into a a big long thing, but I was a very successful clothing designer at one time. I've dressed every major horror movie star. Um, uh, that's actually how I met your father. Actually, originally was at a convention where I was like dressing a bunch of the celebrities. Uh, I lost everything. The government eminent domain my property. I lost four and a half million dollars, and basically because of that, I lost everything: my house, my car, everything, and had to totally reinvent myself and start from scratch. You know, everything has to do with your outlook, uh, your outlook, and the fact that like I don't, I don't, I looked at it as oh my god, you know, fuck, I'm fucked. I don't have any money, and I'm like totally broken. And immediately, you know, came on to, okay, what am I going to do? I got to support myself. You know, I'm 40 something years old and I'm now going to be homeless. Um, and you have to, you have to pick up your bootstraps, figure out what you do. And, and also figure out what your idea of success is because you can make an indie film. And just because it's not a blockbuster and it doesn't do a hundred million dollars, doesn't mean it's not a success. Did you learn how to do it? Did you learn how to like hire your crew? Did you learn how to write a script? Did you learn how to get distribution? If you if you if you benefited from it, you did learn and you got something you got something, you know, really that you learned and and that that means you're not a failure because then when you do your next one, you you know, you've got way more tools to help you do it. Yeah. Well, and you know, and that's it's interesting because yeah. this is a conversation we've had on this show before with people is, you know, you have to define your own uh, your own measure of success, right? Success is something that's measured, and you can make the choice to measure your own success uh, against other people's 
uh, image, or you know, you can measure your own success by the fact that the other guy who who made a movie last week has a brand new Tesla, and you know, you're still you've still got the Yugo without the gas gauge, right? But (laughs) (laughs) but that doesn't mean you know if you're only measuring your success by money. You know, most people in the Indie Brigade, man, I don't think measure their success by money. I think most people in the Indie Brigade, these these hardcore punk rock artists, these filmmakers, these musicians, we're, we've all been around long enough to know that our success is measured differently than most. Uh, but it is an individual metric, right? My version of success isn't yours, and your version of success isn't mine. That's what makes what you do for a living so interesting because you've got to figure out how to help people achieve their own measure of success. Uh, and a lot of times they might not even know what that is. You know, you get people coming to you saying, I want to be in Rolling Stone magazine because I need uh, I need a new Bentley, you know, and that's their that's their success, right? And, you know, there's got to be some education that comes with that with your new clients. You've got to have so much like steering people around that, right? I mean, oh, no, absolutely. Because first of all, a lot of people, unfortunately, a lot of people don't live like in the real world. You know, I'll have people come to me. They were on a reality show. Maybe like, I've, I've worked with some people who were on some different singing reality shows. And, you know, they come with them and like two weeks into it, they're like, how come you haven't gotten me like on good morning America or something? I'm like, dude, you got eliminated in the second round of a freaking reality show. You, know, you don't even have a fucking song out besides some cover shit that you did. Like, come on, let's wake up here and like, let's be realistic and let's build a base. And you don't even have a fan base. You know, you have to have a local fan base before you can start. They're like, can you book us tours and, and all over? I was like, you don't have any fans in your hometown. If you can't get a hundred people to come to a show in your own hometown, how are you going to get, you know, somebody in some town you've never been to to come to your show. Come on, let's be realistic. Let's build a real foundation. Let's build a fan base, you know, grassroots and, and take it one step at a time. And, you know, in a year from now, maybe that can happen, but it's not going to happen right now. And, and you just got to be realistic. And I think that has to do with everybody. You have to be realistic, you know, about what it is that you want. Um, I measure success totally different as a clothing designer. Even though I lost everything, I was very successful. I made I made a lot of money, and I got to do the thing just unbelievable things. You know, I did the costume design for Too Fast, Too Furious. I dressed Elton John at a concert. I got to do some really just wonderful things. And even though I lost it all, I'll never forget the memories. But for me now, as an older person, you know, success for me is to support myself doing what I love. Um, and and I don't care. I don't need a big mansion, and I don't need a Bentley. I don't need any of those things. I want to have a good time, work with cool people. Um, and make enough money to support myself and my family um, and, and really have fun doing the kinds of things that I've always wanted to do instead of like, I'm so happy, you know, that I don't have to have a job doing something that I hate and that I, at least I, I've, I've, I've achieved enough that I can, you know, uh, do, do what I want to do, make enough money to support myself and my family and, and do it, you know, working with cool people like you. Like just doing cool shit <laughs> and having fun doing it. Like the, right. none of us got into this business because we wanted to fucking work for a living, right? <laughs> I, mean, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and and the thing is, like you know, I can tell you from personal experience too. It takes years to get to the top of the mountain, right? And it takes seconds to get back down to the bottom, right? Seconds to fall. <laughs> don't even see what happens. You're, you know, you like that old movie Shoot to Kill with Tom Berenger, you know, just knocking people off the edge of the mountain. And, uh, you, you know, and it's crazy how fast you can you can lose everything. But it's crazy that, that how doing that and, you know, that's a common theme we talk about, too. You know, a lot of people 
you know, you get to a point where you look at the universe and 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 you say, give me your fucking worst. Take what you're going to take and leave me with whatever you're going to leave me with, because whatever you leave me with is what I've got left to work with to figure out my new perspective on how I'm moving forward. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I think, too, that kind of goes back to my whole thing about, uh, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated, because. You know, I've seen some people who went from nowhere to the top very quickly. And when they got to the top, they were not the same person that I knew when they were like climbing to the top. And then on their way back down, which happened really quick, you know, they pissed everybody off and, you know, because they were an asshole. You know, no matter what kind of success you have, you know, we all we're all working towards this, to, to have a career, do what we do. Be cool to the people all the way around on the way up. If you make it to the top and you're the next, you know, biggest director or biggest actor or whatever on the planet. You know, be cool to people when you're up there because you're not going to be there forever. And coming back down can be really like rough if you've burned your bridges and everybody can't stand you because you turned into a total prick. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I've seen that. Seen I've seen that happen <laughs> more times than I can count, man. You know, and uh, it's it's a fucked up business. This industry that we're in, it really is. Um, you know what? It's fucked up, and I love it. To do, I just love it so much, even though it's fucked up. You know, yeah, no, I do too. I mean, I couldn't do anything else. I went through a phase in my life where I tried to join the private sector again. You know, I mean, imagine me walking into like an HR department in a fucking cubicle farm, right? Like, hey, how's it going? I'm here for my interview. <laughs> <laughs> the HR ladies are, you know, HR people are looking to be like, are you going to punch me if I don't hire you? You know, yeah. maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's freaking hilarious, though. But you can't, you know, you can't. It Like, you can't get out once you're into a certain point you can't get out and you've had tremendous success with your clothing line and now you're having tremendous success with your re with your with your new you and yeah. you know and and that's what that's what the indie brigade is all about it's all about relaunching redefi redefining finding that pivot point finding that new perspective and and going after it at all costs I want to give you one other quick little story. Okay, so I lost everything, literally. Like, I was, like, dirt broke, homeless, car repossessed, building repossessed, house repossessed. And so, uh, and this is after I had, you know, been pretty successful. And uh, so I had to get a job. And so my job, I, I sold shoes at Johnston & Murphy in the mall in Boca Raton, Florida. So one day this lady came in. I'm not going to say her name. And uh, she said, oh, my God, like, First of all, she always writes all these posts on Facebook that say, oh, my God, I'm starving. You know, like my roommate won't let me have one of the potatoes in the refrigerator and stupid shit. Right. <laughs> After she wrote a book about how it is to be a successful actor. And then she posts these weird posts. And I was like, oh, my God. So she comes in and she's like, oh, my God, you like working at a shoe store? And I said, yeah, you know, I've had some problems and, you know, I have to support myself and my family. So I have to have a job. And she goes, but you're like Jimmy Starr. And I was like. Yeah, you know, I am and and I'll be and I'm always going to be Jimmy Star and I'll come back. I said, but I can't go on Facebook and write, "Oh my god, I'm starving and nobody'll give me a potato." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said, I, I can't write those kinds of things. I would rather just go out and work and I, you know, and I'll get back on my feet and it took a few years to get going again, but I think that, you know, people's perception, like she had a perception that I was, you know, like this big thing and and it doesn't matter how big you are. Everybody's got problems. Nobody tells you what their problems are. You know, nobody knows if you're rich. Nobody knows if you're poor. And I think that the most important thing is to always be humble, do the best that you can do, help people with what you're doing, and enjoy yourself. Yeah, I think so too, man. I and, really do. And I think you have to promote yourself a lot. And I think a lot of people, like you don't really like to talk about yourself, 
um, which is probably really not a good thing for you because you're somebody and like you, you should talk about yourself uh, and get more press out there. And maybe, you know, because you should have opportunities just fucking like, I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of shitty opportunities coming your way, too, because I do. So you must. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, you know, like, I've had I've had some big deals, man. I've walked away from some easy money because my gut said run. Oh, I see. I would do that, too, though. First of all, you know what? There's really no no such thing as easy money. It might seem like it's easy money, but it's not really easy money because there's, you know, like I'm not willing to sell my soul for the money. No, um, I'm not willing to change this project. Right. I'm not willing to change this project. To, I'm willing to be collaborative. I'm willing to do what has to be done for this project. But am I willing to turn this into a, a high school musical comedy for the CW? Yeah, no. absolutely not. And that was, a, that was a deal that I literally walked away from four months into it by the way, of everything being, oh, we love your vision, we love your vision, we love your vision. Four months later, five months later, hey, come on in and sign the contracts. Listen, we're excited. We want to turn it into a high school musical and take it to the CW. Fucking really? (laughs) (laughs) See, I wouldn't do that either. If I had a project as fabulous as that one, I would would never sell, I wouldn't sell my soul short for it. You know, I, I, as much as everybody needs money, you know, you don't, there's, there's like integrity and like, you know, what it is that you want to accomplish and everything. And, and I think that a lot of people have that problem though, where they do sell themselves out. Cause I see it happening. I have friends that it happens to all the time, you know, and then when you see the final product, it's nothing like what they thought it was going to be because they basically took the money and signed everything like away where they didn't really have any, any input to what it was going to be. I have a friend that just happened to recently in the final film, he was so upset about it. And I was like, Oh my God, what a piece of shit. I read the script and it like, you know, it totally like fell apart, you know, in this movie that they put together. And I was like, it went from being something that could have been so great to like, it's a piece of shit. Yeah. It was well, like a $3 million piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I mean, God knows there's a million reasons that projects go downhill, but, uh, you know, hopefully with the help of what we're trying to do here, we can, we can prevent that from happening with some of these folks out there now and, oh, and, and arm some people, you know? Oh no, um, absolutely. I think that, that everybody needs to go for their dreams and, 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 and the more tips and input and insight that you give them, you know, helps, helps take one step further. Cause this is not easy. It's not an easy thing. It doesn't matter if it's a, what, how much your budget is to make a film. It's not easy to make a good quality film. No, it's not. It's definitely not. And it's not an easy life and it's not an easy process and it's not an easy thing. And, and, you know, and there is a perception and you've got to be conscious of that perception. Like the lady in the shoe store, you know, you, you, yes, you're Jimmy star. You're always going to be Jimmy star, but you had to make money, right? You had right. to make money for yourself and your family. And people don't understand that. And when you, when you finally do reach a certain point as a brand, there is an assumption that goes with that. And that assumption is oftentimes something that can really get in people's heads and, and fuck with them a little bit too, you know? And I think that it's important because, uh, you know, it's important to never let your own perceived success go to your go to your own head over this stuff. Oh, absolutely. You know, you've, al- you've always got to stay humble because I'll tell you what, the second you're not, uh, this business and this fucking world will humble your ass and it hurts. Oh, no, absolutely. And I think that it's super important to just, yeah, it's super important to be humble. And and, and I, I, I can honestly say, like, I, I'm blessed. Now that I live in California, you know, I'm, I used to be an East Coast person, but now I live in California and the opportunities are really great. And, and I'm very fortunate, I guess, because of my show and everything that I get invited to, like, just amazing events and you get to go to all these wonderful things. And so people see that, 
you know, and perceive that, you know, that, oh my God, like you're on, you know, a red carpet 10 times a month. Oh my God, it must be wonderful. And it is, it's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work and it's taken a lot of work to get to a place where you can get invited to all those things. Um, and you got to, you know, put it all into perspective. You're going to a movie premiere with a bunch of fun people that you already like kind of know it's fun, but it's not the end all be all. And if I, you know, if I could, if I could had the money and I could be out making my own films, I'd much rather do that. But, but also you have to network and networking is super important in this business. You know, that's how you meet people. Like all the cool people that you have in your chat room right now, they're all like networking with the show and with everything that's going on. And, and those are kind of people that you can reach out to and maybe you can develop projects and do all kinds of things with. But if you sit at home and you don't go out and try and, you know, meet people, it's very difficult uh, to network. And I think networking uh, in any business is extremely important, but in entertainment, it's definitely, it's, it's very important because that's how you can meet people to be in your films, find line producers, producers, find whatever it is that you might need for whatever project that you want to uh, go into. If it's a, a film or a podcast or whatever it is, you know, nobody becomes successful on their own. Everybody needs help. And so if you can network and do it, you know, then that's what you need to do. Cause nobody, uh, I don't give a shit if they tell you that that's true. It's not true. Fucking nobody gets to the top of the ladder on their own without help from other people. And networking is one way that that can be achieved. That's right. That's right. You know, and I'll tell you this, <laughs> every single large, uh, investment I've ever secured for any project, uh, came from social interaction. It came from, it didn't come from walking into a boardroom. It didn't come from walking into a conference room. It came from meeting somebody in a social setting, getting to know them as people, as people. and developing a relationship out of that, which then led to, uh, you know, either meeting somebody else or that particular person uh, actually, you know, writing the check. You know, every single thing I've ever financed has come from social interactions and experiences, which, you know, in the beginning, that was a lot harder to do. Nowadays, when you've got something and you've done this for as long as I've done it, as long as you've done it, you know, the people to call and you say, oh, I'm going to work on this. So I'm going to go call this guy and go have drinks. And then, you know, and then that guy you call and you go have a beer with him, he brings two friends. And, you know, at least one of those friends is somebody else. And they say, well, listen, he's not interested, but I'll be interested. And the next thing you know, you're you're having beers with a, a panel of investors. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't do it sitting at home. I mean, I, I've, I've got so many friends I've met in social media. And I mean, really good friends. I have handfuls of them that I actually like talk once a week, you know, where we can brainstorm of how we can help each other and do things and, and stuff like that. But you still need to go and and actually physically like meet with people, talk with people, you know, even if it's people that you meet on all in social media, uh, yeah. you know, cause social media is a wonderful way to introduce and get and meet with people. But, but for me, a lot of times until you actually meet them, it makes, or you've talked to them one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's on the phone or Skype or something like this, you don't really know them. Cause you also have to be careful that there's a lot of people that are full of shit and they'll screw you in a second. Oh man. Ain't that the fucking truth? <laughs> yeah. So you gotta be careful for that too. I like the way Joe pops in every once in a while. <laughs> I think sometimes Joe just pops in because he wants me to say, he wants me to remind people they're listening to the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade podcast with me, your host, George C. Romero, my faithful producer extraordinaire, Joe Ranchley. Uh, and we've been talking with Jimmy Starr, uh, uh, who's an amazing friend, tremendously talented publicist, and so much more in the entertainment industry, uh, and also star of, uh, of his own show, uh, the Jimmy Star Show with Ron Russell, which I want to have both of you guys on at some point. 
Um, and that'll just be a fun night. I, I think that the three of us could have a lot of fun just just shooting shit on here some night. Um, but uh, you know, I wouldn't mind uh, bringing Jaden up here again. Do you mind? Uh, oh, Joe, do you actually have something fucking to say? What? Fuck you. I love your fucking beanie hat, dude. That rocks. Well, thank you. And you know, I have the ability to do this. All right. So what I would like to do is actually uh, have Jimmy plug his stuff first, if we could. And then I'm going to bring Jaden up for a moment. And then we got to get David up. So we've got about 15 minutes total. We got to make this happen. We're going to have Jimmy. Where can we find you on social media? And what did you want to plug, sir, if anything? Uh, all right, you guys. I'm at Dr. Jimmy Star, D-R-J-I-M-M-Y-S-T-A-R, Instagram, Twitter. I'm Jimmy Star on Facebook. Um, I'm a blogger. My blog is ranked number 68 of the top 100 entertainment blogs in the world. It's jimmystarsworld.com. And anything you would need from me is there. There you go. It makes it simple and fast. Boom. And you can also book a session with Jimmy Star through the RomeroPictures.com mentor section. So if you've got something that you need some personal uh, attention uh, to talk to him about, go ahead and book a session with him through our website as well. Uh, he is available to help everybody out that way, too. Absolutely. So, Jimmy, I cannot thank you enough for spending some time with us. I want to bring Jaden up here if he's around. He is. You guys got seven minutes. I'm going to okay. be strict with that. Okay, seven minutes. Oh, he got it serious. Look at his serious face, Jimmy. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to insist on one thing. Okay. Um, Jaden, the thing I have to insist yeah. on, take the hat off. What? Why? <laughs> because I saw the post earlier. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> what's up Jaden? Jaden, I followed you what's on in, I, I followed you on Instagram when I was listening to you oh, earlier. Follow me back, please. I, follow you back. <laughs> yeah. I will definitely follow you back. I'm doing this on my phone. So like I've been kind of limited. I've, just, I've been getting on here talking to people and everything, and it's uh it's been dope. It's really great to meet you, Jimmy. I love your it's energy. Good to man. Meet you too. Thank you. I, I love yours too. It's a lot of fun and and, and what a Thank cool you. show to be on this, right? This is some badass shit. Right. I'm excited. Like, this is dope. I want to keep doing this anytime. Um, yes, absolutely. And I want to add to what you were saying earlier about, you know, changing your perspective, dude. I, I love that. I love it so much. I believe that that needs to be something we speak more and more and more is that everybody needs to start changing their perspective. Because like you said, and this, I'm going to carry this shit around. Like, I love when you walk around thinking these stars are successful and all this type of shit. No one knows what's going on behind those doors. And it's like when we assume those things about those people, like we're we're literally building something up in life that we're just we're destined to fail because of it. I know absolutely, yeah. and believe me, I, I know from personal experience because I'm a publicist for stars. I, I and I I would never say anything, but I'm telling you that a lot of times the people you think who are rolling in dough they don't have shit, and a lot mm -hmm. of times the people that you think are like fucking practically homeless, and those are the ones fucking banking all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, what you were saying about not posting online, it's really isolating, man. Like whenever my show, I was in a really like whenever I was on the YouTube thing back in the day, I, uh, I started when I started to achieve success. I couldn't talk about the bad shit in my life anymore because people had this vision of me and it gets really stuck. Like you're kind of lost and you can't ask for help because if you ask for help, then, you know, everybody knows that maybe you're not as successful as you want to be. 
and uh, it's 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 crazy. So like, yeah, I just I, I love and it's totally said, true. Just, no, it, that's totally yeah. true too, and it's important for. But it's important. I, I think a lot of times people know a lot of times if something bad goes. My only thing is like, because I don't know if you guys like post on Facebook a lot, but you know, the only time I ever get a lot of fucking comments and likes on Facebook is if I write something bad. Like I could write like I just signed a million dollar contract and like fucking one person will like it. I could say my dog just died and like 8,000 people will like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah. People want, they want to talk, man. Like that's the beauty. Like when someone asks me like, how did you get your, like, how did you achieve your first viral video? And I was like, it made people feel something. If your post or your content can make somebody feel, then you have broken down a barrier and that is what will make them share. That is what will make them engage and like and comment. You can't just make anything go viral. It's, that's not the psychology of it. If, if there's a reason why the, there's so much bad news out there and it's not because there's a lack of good news, but it's because it's easier to make people feel bad and sad and fear than it is to make them feel good. Because when you make them feel good, everybody has different, they have a different perspective. So it's just the cheapest way to get attention. So it's, it's, that's what it's about is finding a way to make someone feel when you post, like I'm in a new relationship or I'm going to Disney world or here's me achieving success. Like people are like, yay, they're happy for you because you're happy for yourself. And, but when you complain and you feel bad, you make people feel bad and then they don't want anything to do with you. So That's it's right. a matter of like, you're right. right. Dude, we talk about that all the time here. When you finally change your perspective and you, and you figure out that thing, there's, you know, happiness and self-confidence, which is much different than ego. It's infectious, man. Like when you're, when you're happy and you're coming from a good place in your heart and your life, and and your spirit is balanced and your spirit cup is full you know like that shit is infectious people want more of that and that is what reaches people that's what you know that's what we come from with the indie brigade all of us we come from a place of love we come from a place of peace and a place of a of a full spirit cup you know and and we filled up our own spirit cups before we turn to other people and say here drink from our spirit cup as opposed to letting people come up with that six foot straw from the corner and like drain your spirit cup against your will. You know what I mean? Like once your own spirit cup is full and you're good as a creative artist, that shit is infectious, man. That stuff is what makes people come back and say, I want more of that in my life and in my heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I asked to see somebody wrote, uh, Sean wrote, I'm not looking to get rich. I just want to entertain people. I think for me, a big thing too, like I didn't get into the entertainment industry to be, you know, like famous, I did it because this is what I like to do and it's fun and this is what I enjoy. And I think that success comes to people who are in it actually for the right reasons. And the right reason is because it's something that you love and you really enjoy doing it. And I think the success will come because that's what you're doing it for. But I think if you're just doing it to be like the next whoever, Paris Hilton or something, you know, like it's not going to like really work because it takes a long time and there's a lot of competition that way. You have to build yourself, build your brand, enjoy enjoy the entire journey from where you start to until whenever you're done um, and, and have a good time with the whole journey and, and just be happy with every success that you get as it's going along. That's right. And be happy for and recognize that just because it's not that end game with that Tesla in the garage doesn't make it less of a success. Absolutely. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Learning something is a success. Touching somebody's life is a success. Uh, getting a script written is a success if you've never done it before. Getting a film made is a success if you've never done it before. 
getting five people to watch your movie is a success if nobody's ever watched anything you've ever done, right? right. All of that right. stuff is a success. And just remind yourselves of that every day that you're working toward your goal, you're working toward that success. And the only failure is when you decide to give the fuck up. And we don't, give up. we don't give up that's in the brigade. We're going to fucking die before we fail. Never what? That is the root of everything. That's it. The only failure is quitting. Mm-hmm. And they, you know? they wrote the journey is just as important as the destination. I agree 100%. Like, I have fun every day on the journey. And, you know, I don't know where it's all going to go, but I'm having a good time as I go along. And, and as long as I learn more and achieve a little bit more every day, I'm happy. Yeah, me too. This is the this is the best thing that I have ever been told, and it's by plenty of successful people in my life that I've realized. And it, it's it's okay. So this is what it is: your success, what you deem to be success, somebody else deems to be failure. Yeah, that, that is the that is the truth. So your definition of what success is or what failure is, like where you're sitting right now, the position you're sitting in. There is somebody looking at your life and your career thinking that you are successful. That's right. They want what you have. But if they got where you're at, they would think somebody else's journey and success was successful and that they would look at their own. I am so successful because I have a wife that loves me. I'm sitting in a chat room with two people I respect that respect me. I am having a good time in my career. I don't care if 10 people watch my shit or a thousand people watch my shit. I've got friends, I've got family, I've got my health. And at the end of the day, I get to jerk off when I want to. And I don't have to go to a day job. That is success. <laughs> here, here, I agree 100 Well said. Listen, guys, I've got to end it there because we've, right. got, um, we've got another. Uh, and, you know, I think that's probably the best note to end it on. So Excellent. winner, winner, <laughs> winning comment of the night goes to Jaden. Yeah chicken dinner <laughs> yes. all right well thank you very much joe george Jaden, chat room everybody i was I had a blast thank, thank you so you much everybody. for having me on and nice to meet you Jaden. yeah guys thank you so much for coming on back on instagram yeah all right. bye. thank you guys bye. both so much have a good night guys wow uh you know what do you think about that, Joe? I get blamed for everything. So if I talk, then. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. He's caught on. Uh, I think that was a phenomenal show. Those guys are amazing. Uh, I, I really think I, I hope everybody watching and everybody who will watch after this uh, really had some good takeaways from that. Uh, if you don't mind, I would love to kind of uh, bring Dave, is David around. Is he available to come on here? And Hey, look at that. It's David Lee Madison, host of The End of the Night. Hello, gentlemen. How is uh, it going? Can, can you hear me loud and clear from... Man, you sound, like, you sound like butter. Sweet. You sound like, yeah. But nice and smooth. Yeah, man. So, Joe, tell me, in the current climate, did you think using the word infectious 140 times tonight was a good idea? <laughs> it is the coronavirus episode. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So. As you guys both know, I am now recovering from the uh, Meisterbrow virus. Uh, the coronavirus <laughs> is much too expensive. And I really wanted to do come on with those guys 
to do our Brady Bunch moment. Oh, damn it. When we, oh. uh, You know what? That would require a lot of practice because I'm not sure everybody would know that it would just be a bunch of confused people trying to figure out which way to turn our heads. Well, there you go. But that's what makes it funny. <laughs> David, I'm very, very proud and honored that you are here. I'm very, very happy that uh, we have a brand new show as part of the, the uh, Indie Brigade Network called The End of the Night. Uh, and it is your show. It is your baby. And uh, it is starting. The series premiere is starting in a mere 16 minutes. So how do you feel about that? I am, as you could tell, super excited. And uh, uh, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I feel just like the way David Letterman felt when he started uh, following up the great Johnny Carson. Uh, so, uh, George, in all sincerity, I want to thank you for allowing me to play in your sandbox. And uh, I want to tell everybody out there that these two guys uh, are are great ambassadors for you know, ind independent prick, uh, films and ind independent pictures because they really, really love what they do. I mean, I'm honored to be uh, a part of this network now and we're just going to have a lot of fun. I can't wait, man. I can't wait to see what you have in store tonight. You've got some great guests coming up here in about 15 minutes. Yes, the great Daniel Roebuck, who you probably know from at least 100 different movies, and, uh, and Chad Rook from... Uh, from Siren and Bates Motel will be on talking about his new film. And we'll be expanding upon what you guys talked about earlier about uh, uh, being able to promote uh, uh, your passions and your loves virally. And uh, it's just going to be a fun show. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait. So uh, that will, that show, are you doing your show every week or every other week? I'm going to do it every week if, uh, until you guys say, get the hell off, off our, uh, our airwaves. So well, it, it, may be, it, may, it may be one episode, you know? No, 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 that'll never happen. So I just wanted to know what we decided on, and I thought I'd get you to commit to it on the air. No, so, absolutely. <laughs> so you heard it here first. David Lee Madison with the end of the night uh, is going to be a weekly addition to the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade. Every time we've got an episode, you will see – uh, David's end of the night afterwards. And uh, we're just so very excited about this. Uh, David's show will also be um, available to watch uh, just like you watch it here on all of the other video platforms like Avail TV. Uh, and we will be, uh, Joe, how are we going to be breaking out the audio? Is that all going to be separate? Uh, I don't know what we decided on or what you decided on. So how is this all going to roll out? Let's put Joe on the spot. Fuck you, Joe. It's 10.46. Yeah, 14 minutes. Come on, we want answers. We want answers. So anyway, Listen, as, as long as I'm available on Viewmaster, I'm fine. Viewmaster, yes. Yeah, so yeah. As long as I have this power, <laughs> the master, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to answer those questions. But anyway, uh, in all seriousness, we, we need to figure that out. That's Okay, uh, well, we'll have all those answers for you as soon as we know them. But in the yes. meantime... Tune in to Romero Pictures Indie Brigade uh, and stay for the really good show, which is the end of the night. With oh, David. stop. I mean, what's going to be weird about my show is you never know what's going to happen. You never know who's going to show up. And uh, you never know if I'm actually going to stay awake for the whole episode because I am getting old. Well, and do you have narcolepsy still? Or did, I might. Did you, did you get over that? <laughs> Are you better? I'm better now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Ever no, since the you. Meisterbrow virus, I've kind of kicked the whole oh, well, everything yeah. else. 
you haven't had the Schlitz virus. So. <laughs> I heard it gives you the Schlitz. <laughs> um, so everybody knows this stream is not going to end. Stick around. Stay tuned. Uh, this stream will stay live. You will get um, a little bit of the Romero Pictures Indie Brigade house lights, uh, which is just some cool little visuals. And uh, I believe David will be back with the end of the night here in about 12 minutes. So we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, anything you want to tell people to entice them to tune in or anything you want to tell people to alienate them forever? Well, yeah. Uh, every time I go on the road with Brian O'Halloran from Clerks, who are actually dear friends, uh, he he makes fun of me because I have to go to the bathroom like every 10 minutes because I'm old and uh, have diabetes. So uh, the next 10 minutes, I will be uh, in the bathroom. And uh, usually when we're on the road and I stop to pull over at a rest stop, he sings, hold me closer, tiny bladder. <laughs> so ne next 10 minutes, envision in your mind the great Brian O'Halloran singing, hold me closer, tiny bladder, as I'm sitting in my restroom, uh, you know, waiting for the show to start. Perfect. <laughs> awesome, everybody. Come back very soon uh, and check things out. Are you ready, Joe? Uh, I'm getting there. Uh, there's too much pressure, man. There's too oh, much pressure. God. Will you guys be joining me on my show? We will. Yeah, we're we're going to awesome. pop in and, uh, and kick you off minutes. a little bit, so we'll see you in a few minutes. All right, brothers. All right. Everybody, fuck off till next time. <laughs> Guess it would help if I um, unmuted everybody's mic. Hold on a second. I Joe, think I'm unmuted. I think you are too. I, I think uh, uh, George came in from a different camera. George. And he's muted though. George, your mic's muted. I even gave you a private message heads up. I was going to be doing the shop talk. Oh, and I had all of 30 seconds to go do what I needed to do. You think I was checking messages? You got another thing coming. Well, well, you want some fucking... Uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. Well, we're not here for us. No, we're not, are we? We're here for Mr. David Lee Madison. Everybody, welcome to the end of the night with David Lee Madison. Uh, we just talked about this a few minutes ago, but if you're just tuning in now... You're in for a treat. This is a brand new show on our Indie Brigade Network, and we're so proud that he's here. Uh, and I just had to come out and have a cigarette, so I'm doing my intro from the wood shop. Sorry, David. Well, thank you, George. And I am honored to uh, be a part of your your network. And from the beginning, I've loved your, your show. You guys do an awesome job. And uh, I hope to just uh, add a little something to the festivities. I think you're going to add a lot, and I'm super excited about it. So... Uh, I don't have much to say. Uh, I'm just going to sit here and <clears throat> watch if you need me. I'll be here. If you want me to pop up, just say my name and Joe will pop me up. I'm here in the wood shop, smoking cigarettes and uh, drawing some plans up and watching your show. Say my name. Say my name. Boom. You're like, you're like Ash. You're in the, the woodshed. <laughs> the, the worst overdubbing in movie history, actually. <laughs> yeah, I take myself to the woodshed. It's not, you know. I, I, I've got, I keep my hair shirt out here. I keep all of my... <laughs> Just know. do me a favor. When you start up the chainsaw, please put your mic on mute. I will. I promise. Yeah. Because that would <laughs> that might be difficult to talk over. 
Have a great show, David. Welcome to the network and welcome to the family, brother. Thank you so much, George. And I'm honored to be a part of your family. And I want to welcome everybody to David Lee Madison's The End of the Night here on uh, Romero's Indie Brigade. Uh, I'm honored to uh, to follow up uh, uh, George's show. George's show is just uh, amazing. It's uh, It's really a smart show. And uh, for independent filmmakers to uh, learn so much about independent film or just for anybody who's passionate about anything to uh, learn about what they're passionate about uh, from people who are out there doing it. So, Joe, one quick thing before we start our show, a dear friend of ours, uh, director Libby McDermott, her film uh, Darkness Waits just came out within the last couple of days. So I want to send uh, everybody who's watching this to uh, uh, there it is to uh, make sure you check out this movie. It's a great little film that uh, uh, we shot in Pennsylvania. I was blessed to have a small part in it with uh, Scott Schiaffo from Clerks and uh, the DVD and the Blu-ray. I'm not sure if the DVD is out yet, but the Blu-ray was just released a couple of days ago. So uh, give it a look. It's a really, really, uh, it's very David Lynch-esque film. It's like a David Lynch kind of uh, vibe to it. And, uh, and give Libby some love because it's a, it's a great movie. And the movie that it's a follow-up to, Dead Woman's Hollow, uh, I see Libby just put it on some streaming platforms like Vimeo. So uh, uh, give Dead Woman's Hollow a look. It's a good show. It's a good movie. You're welcome, Matt. All right, so we are waiting for a couple of guests to join us. So tell us a little more about this show and what's going to be happening. Well, I'm going to tell you about this show. Next week, uh, hopefully, we're going to have an iconic living legend of a guest. Uh, Me? I reached out. What? Oh, well, you are, every week you're the iconic living legend of a guest. But... Uh, Yes, we're going to have, uh, I'll announce it on Monday, and uh, every week the show is going to be where we talk to uh, uh, some people that are very notable, and we get different aspects of indie filmmaking from different uh, people at different levels of indie filmmaking. We'll talk to writers, we'll talk to directors, we'll talk to, uh, uh, we'll talk to actors, and uh, it's just going to be everything that you love about indie filmmaking and uh, from actors and actresses that uh, generally don't do talk shows like Kimmel or uh, or uh, the well-known talk shows, we'll have them on here. And uh, that's really going to be an outlet for us to see those. <clears throat> Sorry, I have a little bit of a frog in my throat. Yeah. Uh, it's an outlet to see those actors, that those beloved actors that we love. Right on. So you were just on... The other show. This is weird for me. <laughs> a few moments ago, what'd you think of that show? Did you take anything away from that that you may want to share? No, I mean those guys were really smart. I was on. Uh, 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 I'm having a brain fart because I just said Jimmy. He's Jimmy Star. Star. I was on Jimmy Star show probably ten years ago when Mr. Hush came out, and Jimmy is such a smart guy, and he's had so many wonderful guests on his show. And uh, he was very kind and generous to uh, to have us on when we had a small film. And uh, we came on with Brad Lurie, who was in Mr. Hush, who was also Michael Myers uh, in Halloween Resurrection. And the late Steve Dash, who was uh, 
uh, Mac in my film, but he was also known as uh, uh, Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th Part 2. And Edward X. Young was on, who played Mr. Hush. And uh, it was just a great show. And it was one of the very first times I got to do something like this. And uh, Jimmy was very kind and very uh, caring in the material. And the show went really well. So it's so nice to see Jimmy 10 years later uh, on this show and for him to continue doing what he does best. He's just he's great at it. And tonight, Dan Roebuck's coming on. Dan Roebuck, you'll know from The River's Edge. You'll know him from Star Trek The Next Generation. You'll know him from Lost. You'll know him from Matlock. You'll know him from so many things. And he's also uh, uh, an independent filmmaker. So we can see how somebody like Dan approaches his independent films. If Dan comes on. Well, there, there was an email while I was uh, a little busy, and mm-hmm. it, you were CC'd in that email. I don't know if you responded or not. By no, I'm taking a look now. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get to some of these comments. A, there's Libby thanking you so much. Oh, and my pleasure. Her husband, Matt, also. And, and our buddy, Lance Wagner, saying everything rules <laughs> well, he's right Libby does rule david is my new favorite he calls movies also movie shows also well that's what happens when you get to a certain age and nothing actually clicks anymore it's just like whatever stupid word comes out is what you use <laughs> and you know what's so sad i'm usually a lot more entertaining than this but my wife, for the last 10 days, has been snoring like a chainsaw. And I haven't been able to get any damn sleep. Because if I don't sleep next to her, if I go like downstairs or sleep in the living room or in my office or in the green room or something, uh, she almost considers it like cheating. So <laughs> so I'm, I'm just uh, – no, I didn't call you old, Samantha. I called me old. Well, uh, good news is we've got your first guest ah. appear. So without further ado, I will let you introduce him and have at it. Mr. Roebuck, how hello, are you, Dan? Lee Madison. And Thank hello, you so- Joe. Very nice to have you on. Thank you. Thank you so much for helping me with this train wreck that I, well, you know, train wreck, of course, the fugitive, you know, so you should be. Hey, if, I, yeah, if anybody knows anything about train wrecks. It's Bobby Biggs of the future. How are you, Dan? I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, you know, uh, m- people wanted to know about uh, about where to to see you, and uh, uh, hopefully, uh, if I send this text out, people will get it. Uh, but all's good. I'm good. I'm here in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I'm close, uh, and we are gearing up our next movie, um, the the follow up film to. Uh, getting grace uh so i'm here starting uh, all of our uh trying to get people excited about what's coming oh sweet well let me something way more important than talking about anything film related is i want everybody out there to wish the great daniel roebuck a very happy birthday happy birthday dan 
Thank you very much. Thank you. It was a very nice day. I actually uh, I took a trip down to Hatboro and uh, did an interview with uh, Grover, uh, who who uh, has a show on PBS called Counterculture. So uh, I, I told him he, he was bummed out. He said, I don't I hate to make you work on your birthday, but I have this weird theory about this. Like, I think your birthday is your your, you know, the first gift you got was a gift of life from God. Uh, and uh, so I, I think also the gift that he gave me to be an actor is uh, also a gift of his. Thank you, Scott. Uh, so uh, I think it's good to work on my birthday because it's honoring the, the very first gift I was ever given. Thanks, Ed. And uh, what a wonderful gift it was because you are not only an incredibly kind and generous human being, but you're an incredibly gifted and talented actor. Well, that's that's very kind. And of course, I'm smart enough uh, to love Wild West City. There you go. And if, and if people don't know, uh, Dan and I, about, was it about two years ago, Dan? Yeah, I think so about, about, two, about yeah. two years ago, Dan did this wonderful show about uh, a place that Dan and I both went to when we were growing up called Wild West City in Netcong, New Jersey. Oh, and what makes Wild West City so wonderful is that it's a, is it Carson City, you think? Is that what it's a replica of? Um. You know, they, I, you know, it's in our show. I'll tell you, I would direct people to uh, YouTube, not now, not now, when we're done. Uh, and you could type in Daniel Roebuck, Wild West City, and see an amazing show we did uh, for the NET, NET, the Catholic network that I work with in New Jersey. Uh, excuse me, I said New Jersey. <laughs> Pardon me, in Brooklyn. That's in New York. Um, but uh, we did a show there. So Annette presents Wild West City, Daniel Roebuck. Uh, it's a great place. And and Dave, like I know why you like it. You're like me because we like, thank you, Libby. We like being old-fashioned people. Uh, it's one of the few places on the planet that's exactly how it was when we were children. You know, it horrified me, Dan. When you and I, we went on that, uh, that locomotive train. The, yeah. the last time I was probably on it was probably my fifth birthday in 1975. And I, everything, as I recall, is exactly the same. And there's oh, very few things in life that are like that. Well, people should go. They should go there. They should go to the land of make-believe uh, uh, in, in New Jersey. Uh, the land of make-believe has a uh, part of it. It's still very much as it was when we were kids. And then they should come up my way uh, on the other side of Allentown toward Harrisburg on Route 22 uh, uh, off 78. They should go to an amazing place uh, called Roadside America, which uh, we, I love it so much. I put it in getting grace. It's oh, actually, wow. yeah. And that's a, it's a miniature train village built by one guy, one guy, one guy in like 1945. Oh, wow. he, he built it from like 1910 to 1955. But I mean, the place it's like going back in time. And I love that. You know, it's funny is that we live in a culture now where everybody is on their social media and uh, they need instant gratification. I think you and I are kind of like the same and like we like things that are more – is it tactile is the right word? Yeah, tactile, infantile. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I like uh, – you know, like Wild West City is the only place you can aim a gun at somebody and shoot and that, them Yeah, uh, like in fun – and everybody knows it's fun. Nobody, nobody overreacts. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're like, you're like, hey, kid. And then you shoot him. And the yeah. dad's like, are you going to take that? Shoot him back. Like, 
you know, uh, now uh, please don't write letters. You know what I mean? Like it's fun. We're having fun. Nobody yes. really is promoting any kind of violence. It's an old fashioned fantas fantas uh, fantastical, right? You know, <laughs> phony, unreal, not legitimate, harmless silliness. Right. Uh, we need more of that. We, I think we. That's if I if I had my way. That's all we do. Yep. Well, Dan, I, I can't let you off easy because when I announced that you were going to be my very first guest on my very first show, I got started getting hundreds. I'm not kidding. Hundreds of IMs from your fans. The IRS and former wives <laughs> demanding <laughs> payment of some sort. Don't worry. I sent out your checks for you. Thank you so uh, much. <laughs> and, you know, there's a reoccurring theme. One of your motion pictures seems to be one of the most beloved, and that's River's Edge. Oh, so can uh, you share worst Christmas ever? Oh, River's Edge, yes. Can what you can share I... any great stories about River's Edge or working oh, with Crispin Glover or Keanu Reeves or Dennis Hopper? Um, yeah. oh, there it is. Look at that. Look at how young I was. So that's 35 years ago. Wow, that's 35 years ago, man. Um, <laughs> I remember being in that car, I remembered being with those actors so well, and Dennis Hopper. Um, the thing about River's Edge is, you know, I was in one movie before it, Cave Girl. And then I was in River's Edge. So, you know, one would think that an actor of the caliber of actors who belong in movies like Cave Girl <laughs> would generally make it into a movie like The River's Edge. Um, but uh, it was an extraordinary gift that Tim Hunter, the director, believed in me enough to let me play the part. Um, I hope I held my own. Uh, of course, Keanu, uh, you know, Keanu was new. I was new. Ioni was new. The the stars of the movie, the people that I admired were Crispin Glover, because I loved him in Back to the Future, and Roxanne Zoll, because at that point she had already been nominated for an Emmy mm -hmm. uh, for in the movie. And, of course, Dennis Hopper. I mean, come on, you know. Hey, Dennis. Oh, you know, Dennis Hopper was extraordinary. Um, and the greatest thing is I mostly had him to myself. Like people should think about this. If you watch the movie again, you know, Crispin meets Dennis and Keanu meets Dennis and the kids bop Dennis on the head, but they would all leave. And then I would, it would be me and Dennis for weeks and weeks at the river or in the, in the house uh, up in Tahunga, California. It was, it was great. I had them all to myself and uh, boy, did I enjoy that. Now, let me ask you when you, when you got to work with Hopper, was he generous in giving with you being a young kid in, in, in trying to teach you your craft? Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting thing, um, David. Teach me my craft. He certainly did teach me my craft. Let's let's say that. But I don't think he had that kind of temerity. Um, I got Dennis. You know, I was very lucky. He he drove a lot of people insane um, because you know he was he really had a drug problem and a drinking problem, and and uh, according to so many accounts, was wholly unpleasant to be around. Um, but I got sober, Dennis Hopper. Uh, who drank tab, you know, and um, so I got this other guy. So he was very generous of spirit and he laughed. We laughed a lot. Uh, we've unearthed some pictures of people go. There's a at uh, 
is it HalloweenFilms.com? Sean Decker just wrote a, a lovely article, two parts. The first part just came out on my birthday, uh, and the second part will be uh, out next week. But we gave him some rare never-before-seen photos from both Halloween movies and from River's Edge, so people should look it up. That's sweet. You know, I saw on, on one of the articles that you've been in, it was either a newspaper article or an online article, that you're like a collector of like horror memorabilia and film memorabilia. Are you? Yeah, crazy. I, not, I, I got to put on my glasses to look at your room there. What do I see? I see Halloween. What's on the other side? Oh, uh, oh sorry. That's uh, Army of Darkness. Oh, Army of Darkness. And, and the I'm, poster next to that is uh, my, my film, Mr. Hush. Oh, Mr. Hutch, of course. Yeah, Everybody. and Who I got Godzilla know? over my shoulder and Boba Fett. And Boba I know Fett. you have some Star Wars news, which we'll cover later. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? I wanted to show you something kind of cool. Oh, I think you'd like this. I just got this. Let me put my. Isn't that something? This is my new life. I right? like to collect toys. Do you remember oh, this one? That wait, hold on. Oh yeah, that's a Star Trek. Uh, oh. That's a Star Trek. Yeah, it's a Star Trek like communicating panel. The Star Trek communication console. About that, pretty close. Pretty close. That was the bee's knees when we were kids, Dan. Yeah, that was from the Mego Star Trek days. Yes, and you would buy the two. You could play with that, not the Mego characters. That was for a kid. Right. You would would have the two communicators, and then that would be like the base. So you'd be like Uhura, and uh, your friends would be out in the field. Interesting, David. Is Uhura, is that your spirit animal, is it? You're not. Yeah. All right. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not making any judgments or horror. Most of us wanted to be Kirk or Spock. Uh, you know, a few friends want to be Scotty. I've never met a man who wanted to be a horror. If you notice, I even have the ear thing in like horror. Yeah. I'm a little I'm a little freaked out by it. I mean, we all do. You know, I was going to try to hide these. Um, <laughs> all right. Enough of our silliness. I wanted to ask you about The Fugitive. Yeah. What can you tell us about The Fugitive and working with Harrison Ford and and Honestly, I'm, you know, look, I'm a I like to pretend that I'm a, a guy who's uh, like a thespian. Oh, yes, I became an actor so that I could perform the greatest works ever written in the theater. I was not. I wanted to be like I watched The Fugitive. You know, if I could have thought I was going to be chasing Richard Kimball, you know, my fugitive was David Jansen. If I thought I could be chasing the fugitive one day, I couldn't believe it. But that's true of my entire life. Everything that I've ended up doing, like imagine the kid sitting and watching Star Wars and then sitting on a set, you know, 20 years later um, for, uh, you know, at the the Hilton late at night hanging with Harrison Ford. I would have never believed it uh, possible. But please don't sell yourself short because you are a really good actor. You're an extraordinary actor. Well, that's nice. Thank you. Uh, but it's still, you know, um, I know a lot of really extraordinary actors and not. Uh, oh, that's nice. Thank you. Uh, that's nice to people to say. That's Hinky, George. Hinky. Um, uh, like, it's never lost on me that I I'm, I end up in these places Um I think that it's always a gift from God, but, uh, you know, I did hold my own, I hope, uh, but we had a great ensemble. We had Scotty Caldwell and, and Joey Pants and Tom Wood and, of course, Tommy Lee Jones. And I mean, um, we just had a lot of great, great actors in that movie. Uh, it was just great. So the, the here's a fun story. So 
I don't know, somebody screwed up somewhere, something happened. And uh, I was working on Matlock at the time. And, you know, that's good. So when you're working, you're not really concerned about the minutia of other deals. Thank you. So I was working on Matlock and they cast me in The Fugitive and uh, they screwed something up. I don't know what happened. And then my agent had the wherewithal to say, well, all right, well, we won't forget the money, but you got to put Dan in the same hotel Harrison Ford's in. So I spent about two months at the Four Seasons in Chicago. Um, I mean. My God, like it was <laughs> it was maybe one of the greatest hotels in the world next to the historic hotel Bethlehem in Bethlehem oh, and uh, the hotel I'm in the view in and suites. Um, but it's, a you know, anyway, so that was all good. It was all a lark. I mean, it was Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, you know, I mean, <laughs> excuse me. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. You're not out kissing babies and shaking hands, are you? Uh, yeah, I'm not really. Look, I think I, I, I hate to date the show. I mean, maybe, you know, won't the joke be on me if I get it. But, you know, I think I think there's a lot of sturm and drang over this virus that seems to be no different than any other virus that's ever been here. I don't know no, what absolutely. the is freaking people out. I don't understand. It's, just, it's a slow new, uh, news cycle. So something. Yeah. 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 I don't. It seems it seems like it shouldn't be. There's a lot going on in the world. But uh I don't know. I see all of this. I, I it's. I don't like to be. I don't want to ever be a, like a guy who thinks, oh, what is you know, there's a conspiracy. But are they trying to shock the stock market? I don't know what's going on. Luckily, <laughs> as an actor, I've never had enough money to invest. There you go. <laughs> Another but movie that I'm as a an independent filmmaker. You know this with Mr. Hush. There's no money to invest. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's why I have no internal organs anymore. I sold them all. Oh yeah. I actually, it's funny. I was surprised because I tried to sell your kidneys. Um, and, uh, <laughs> they said they were, there was already a lien on them. <laughs> when, when you found out. It was disappointing to me. Uh, I thought, you know, I, I needed a steady camp for three days. And I thought, Dave Madison's kidneys are available. <laughs> Bubba Hotep, Owen, Rob Zombie. Thank you, Scott, for reminding us. By hey, the way, uh, Dan, that is the great Scott Schiaffo of Clark's fame saying hello to you. Oh, that's hi, Scott. Look at this. I got this for my birthday from uh, my friend, uh, John LaManna. Look, I can't. So this is Ian Fetterman uh, is uh, a pumpkin carver here in uh, the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. Uh, why Why am I like mentally handicapped? I can't turn it down. So that's a pumpkin of me uh, from Halloween, too, um, that Ian sculpted. You can find him online. Uh, maybe somebody smarter than me could put that up, make sure I got his name right. He's a great pumpkin carver. Uh, he did uh, Dr. Shocker for me, and this was a gift I got uh, for my birthday the other day. I don't That's know. That's cool. And a great segue to ask you what it was like to work with Rob Zombie on the uh, on the Halloween films. Every, every time I work with Rob is an extraordinary gift. Um, even, uh, even when I work for a day, uh, I don't – I mean, we have so much fun. We laugh. Um, the Halloween films were great. Um, you know, I was on the first one a few days, and then they cut me out. And then I was on the, the other one for a while, and even longer because, excuse me, they killed me, and then they had to kill me differently um, because Tyler Maine wasn't wearing the mask the first time they killed me. And I guess it was decided that he needed to have the mask on more. So my death became quite more horrible. Are. <laughs> uh, another, 
And another film that uh, uh, I was watching years and years ago, and I was like, hey, that's Dan. And he just kind of popped up, and it was Bubba Hotep. How did you get involved with that? Well, Don Coscarelli um, asked uh, – We I had known him because uh, if anybody's a Coscarelli fan, they know the work of the great Bob Ivey. Uh, Bob Ivey played the mummy in Bubba Hotep. But uh, we had an extraordinary uh, relationship, Bob and I, because we met as extras maybe the second or thir- second week I was in town or third week. We were extras on a show called The Master. And some AD sent us to walk together, you know, down some street in California. And, you know, we both laughed back then. I'd say, what are you here to do? And he was like, I want to be a stunt man. And I thought, God, this guy. Like, I'm sure he's going to be a stuntman. And I was like, I want to I want to be an actor. And I'm sure he was like, this moron thinks he's going to be an actor. So, Bob, uh, we knew each other well. and He's doubled me in so many movies. He doesn't do stunts anymore. Um, but uh, I met uh, Don Coscarelli through him and then have, you know, once once I was lucky enough to be in Bubba Hotep, you know, I mean, I I think I have a very unique role in John Dies in the end. and. Uh, a fight, you know, I get killed by the the sphere and Phantasm Ravager, like like you you guys who are listening and ladies, imagine that like as a kid I'm at the Boyd Theater watching Halloween and then twenty eight years later you know I'm being killed by Michael Myers, um, you know I'm watching Phantasm at the uh, probably the Eric Theater uh, or the Colonial in Allentown and you know. 20 years later, I'm being killed by the sphere. I mean, it's just weird. It's just a very crazy, odd um, experience. So it's good that I'm an actor because I, I don't know how else anybody could like live their life in a circle constantly. You know, you know the, the, the thing that uh, – did your headphones plug out? Because I'm getting a bad reverb. Sorry. How's that? Any better? Think, yeah, much better. Thank you. Sorry I, about that. I apologize. Uh, I hope was that bad for a while. I no, apologize. Just, just only when I spoke to you. No, no big okay. deal. Uh, I have a very similar story. I was driving down with my family. We go to F- Disney every uh, August. My wife and my small daughter, and we were going through Fayetteville, North Carolina, at mm-hmm. like eleven thirty at night, and I had a problem with my brakes, so I had to pull over. And when I pulled over, we stopped uh, at a hotel and I made sure my wife and daughter were in bed safely. And I was all wired from driving and from having the car problem. So I walked into a Walmart super center, uh, which was in the same parking lot as the hotel. And it had to be probably about two o'clock in the morning at this point. And the guys were setting up the end cap for my film, Mr. Hush. Oh, that's crazy. And it's it was that moment that I realized I had made something that was escaping Milford, Pennsylvania. And it was I was like that meant more to me than like, you know, any other part of it. And those are the things that that, that well, that you were feel. there, that you were that you stumbled in. Now, I, I, I wrote a term the other day. That's that's a POG, a proof of God, mm-hmm. you know. Like all, all of your anxiety and your anger and your concerns about your family, but really you were all, all of it was about putting you right at there. that place at that time. Yeah. I yeah. never really thought of it that way. But yeah. You've really got, wonderful. Well, we, it's, it's easy to think that we're the architects of our own fate. 
Uh, and I, I spent a great deal of time trying to entice actors to think that four people in a room don't get to change their destiny. Mm -hmm. Like their destiny is, and they can earn it or not earn it. If they don't earn it, they don't get it. Uh, or they get a different version of it. Um, but uh, I think that's, that's an extraordinary, you know, you can't, that, that can't just happen. You know, by the way, for people listening, getting a movie in Walmart, it's funny with getting grace. Once it was in Walmart, you know, it didn't matter to people that it was in movie theaters. When it was in Walmart, people were like, how did you get that in Walmart? Oh yeah. That was a beautiful moment in the movie right there. By that the way, Dan, a young actress named Maddie Dundon. Yes, sir. I, I was just going to mention, I watched that film recently. Oh, that young actress blew me away she's great and uh the fact that you shot that you know down in bethlehem uh, bethlehem allentown am i correct down in yeah it was in bethlehem and allentown yeah and easton and uh and it's a small indie film is that fair to say i yes extraordinarily yeah. fair to say yeah and uh you know dan that was just a great movie and it's something that i hope oh, a lot you. of people a lot of people seek out because we know dan roebuck from big giant motion pictures uh, but Dan, uh, did you, you directed that film, right? Yeah, I co-wrote it. Uh, I co-wrote it with a talented fellow named Jeff Lewis. I uh, produced it with uh, my wife and some other great people, mm -hmm. and directed it and starred in it. And uh, I mean, that's that. That may sound like I was overreaching, but really, it was. You know, I it cost a lot less money to do everything myself. I didn't have to pay anybody. Although I did fire myself one day. Thank God I also was the producer. So I talked the director into hiring the actor back um, <laughs> at, at, a, at a reduced rate, by the way. Well, so um, thank you for saying that. And we're here now if people uh, are curious to know, I, you know, let's talk about this a while. Cause I, I know you probably have other guests, but um, if people go, they can always find getting grace at gettinggracethemovie.com. Um, they can buy it or they can get it at Amazon, you know, or Amazon Prime or it's on Hulu now. So they could just, if they have Hulu, they can go if their neighbor has it, maybe they get get the code, you know, and watch it so the neighbors don't know. Um, but uh, watch it and enjoy it. But I'm back in the Lehigh Valley now making, uh, prepping a movie called The Hail Mary. And to make this movie, I've, I'm doing something that's, uh, I don't know that anybody really does this. We're starting a not-for-profit, and we're going to make a movie as a not-for-profit. And say there's a miracle, and there is profit, then we'll put it into, we'll roll it into another movie. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And yeah. please understand, I'm only about 40 minutes north of you. If yeah. I can ever assist you in any way, oh, thank reach you. out to me, because I would love to work with you. It was getting grace deeply touched me oh thank film. you david and thank you. uh uh your sensibilities is both a, a, a director in blocking and pacing and all those things that actually make up a good film you are really really good at and super talented at so. thank you well i will tell you that you know my film school was i watch films constantly and always have mm -hmm. uh and i'm sometimes i'm surprised when people make a an independent movie and it seems as if they've never seen a movie you know, 
the actors are in the wrong place, right? The pacing's terrible. If an actor's bad, they don't cut them out. They, they leave them in thinking, well, maybe they'll get better. And they, they don't. Um, getting Grace was unique. I took this kid right out of the high school I went to, Bethlehem Catholic High School, and starred her in a movie. Um, and then put all the kids, were all local actors from the movie. And then we're going to do it again. And if people look up a channelofpeace.org, a channelofpeace.org, org. Uh, if you could generate that or put it somewhere that people can follow it, uh, they could see what's what's going to happen um, in the next few months. No, that's awesome, and uh, and uh, I can't wait to see the next movie. Can you give Thank us a little you. idea of what it's about, or is it? Of course. Cool? Oh, sure. No, of course. It, it, so it's a, it's a, uh, and this is ironic because uh, beginning this weekend, it's Catholic Sisters Week here in the United States. Uh, uh, starting tomorrow, proof of God. Oh, you like that? Thanks, Libby. Let's do that. Let's start getting that out there. But remember, I said it first. Um, so uh, the Hail Mary is about a very funny nun, a nun with a sense of humor and a sense of purpose. And she finds this guy, this loner, who is desperately in need of redemption. So she cons him into creating a football team for her all-boys Catholic school. Oh, sweet. A comedy, um, uh, if when you see Getting Grace, folks, like I, you know, I think we did a good job, Jeff Lewis and I, writing very good parts for the women in the movie. Uh, and in this one, the, the the nun is definitely the star part. She's very funny and silly and, and not based on, but a tribute to uh, Sister Kathy, uh, Kathleen, who was my first grade teacher, that when I, I drew pictures and I was like, I, because you couldn't write in first grade, I drew pictures of scenes, and I said to the nun, I took him in, I said, I wrote a play, and she didn't say, sit down, Mr. Roebuck, she said, really, let's do your play, so I credit her for, for in that moment of turning me into a director and a creator. That's awesome. You know, yeah, very- Dan, the show that we follow up is George Romero's show. And earlier their show was uh, all their his guests were talking about the use of uh, social media and viral media in uh, in promoting independent films. Do you have any thoughts on, on how that's used properly? Yeah, well, um, you know, we're working with these great kids, Lab 212 here in the Lehigh Valley, and they're, they're you know, in the first place, you could take my age and divide it by two, and that's about how old they are, uh, maybe even a little younger. So I think it's important that we, as filmmakers, understand that we might need to be reliant on on kids with a little, a little more acumen than we are. I could I could just barely tolerate the Facebook stuff, um, and you know it's hard because you've got to walk this line between over promoting it and under promoting it. And also a line between hubris, if you say, this will be the greatest movie ever made, you know, and you're going up against, um, you know, Jojo Rabbit, which might be one of the greatest movies in the last 10 years, you know, and your movie's about, a, you know, some guy killing people in the woods of Wisconsin. <laughs> it may not be as, as great a movie as you think it is. Um, so, I, you know. I think it's good if you can if you can have somebody who really understands it. And I, you know, I'm learning every day. I'm learning every day. We were just I just literally left and came here um, because we were getting our fundraising uh, Indiegogo campaign up and running. Uh, and 
you know, they can search the Hail Mary or a channel of peace in the Hail Mary on Indiegogo. They can maybe find it. Um, but, you know, I needed them to help me with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I could tell the story, you know, the video on it. I could tell the story. I could write the video. But, you know, how you put this here and everything. So, you know, the did I answer the question? I think that it's yes, the, you, the important it, thing it, is if, if you're old, you don't understand it. That's the yes. important thing. If, this is, if, if you've got to read someone's business card like this, then you need to have someone else do your social media. You wish. Yes, but it is an enormous tool. And uh, you, What did you call me? Um, no, no. I, I didn't call you enormous. <laughs> See, yeah, that's good. I made Joe laugh. Joe, are you the guy who knocks on the door and says the next guest is here? Maybe. Yeah, I thought so. You know, I, I want, go see. I want to just tell you, I go see the bishop, Bishop Slurt, here in in town, who's an old friend. But you know, I'm going and asking for some guidance on the movie because I'm writing a movie about not the, the church and whatnot. And um, I, when you go to see the bishop, no matter when you get there, about five minutes before you're going to leave, there's a knock on the door and another priest comes in. He goes, uh, uh, "Excellency," uh, they, and and so I always, I've always, I'm like, I know, I know the guy's knocking any second. He's knocking, and I've got to leave. Uh, so, Joe, who who's bumping me? Who who's bumping you? Chad Rook is bumping you. Oh, Chad! No, Chad's the real deal. I don't blame Chad. Uh, I do not blame you for bumping me. I don't. I'm not but not about it at all. There's one other question I wanted to ask you, Dan. I heard that you are now involved with Star Wars in some way. Yes. uh, So people, please, this is so much fun. If they check out uh, Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, they will hear me. uh, Thank you. Yes, I blame them too. You'll see me as Grease Dritus. Grease Dritus is a four-armed, four-foot-tall Lateran who pilots the Mantis ship in which you travel through the adventure. And I worked with Cameron Monaghan and Deborah Wilson, and I got to be the funny little guy uh, in Star Wars. And people, if if you if you don't have the game, just look up uh, Grease G R E E Z Dritus cutscenes, and you'll you'll see my little my little Star Wars guy. And then we all have to write to someone Hasbro and say, "Where are the Grease toys?" Absolutely. Well, All Dan, right. I, I want to thank you for being my very, very first guest on this I know. That was fun, show. David. Thank you. God bless you and break a leg with this. And all of you people who are listening and watching, thank you for supporting this guy. He's a very good guy. He's got a big heart, and uh, he loves what we love. Oh, thank you, Dan. And uh, I hope to have you on again someday. And, and Any, Anytime. And you're a smart man because you're very much like me. You, <laughs> work, with your, you work with your wife. Yeah, okay, brown noser. Well, uh, Dan, before you leave, one thing we like to do always is give you center stage and tell us what you got going on and what you would like to discuss and promote, if you would, please. Joe, thank you. It seems that as your first guest, I might be the first one to do this. So what I'll say, I'm just going to reiterate, please go to a channelofpeace.org if you want to know about this idea for making making movies. And what I'm trying to do is make faithful movies uh, that you can watch with your family. And I know if you're a guy who likes horror movies, whatever, you still have uh, time that you want to spend with your kids and teach them moral, ethical um 
ideas. Uh, this is the way we're going to do it. Um, there's some good surprises that I can't talk about coming up in the monster world. Uh, so I'm excited about that. But uh, most important right now, please uh, go to a channelofpeace.org or search for us on um, on Indiegogo. That would be great. Uh, that's a channel of peace, the Hail Mary. Sorry, channel of peace, Hail Mary, Dana Rubik. I don't know what to search, but you'll find it. Thank you. And that's I got to go. That was You're it. Awesome. All right. God bless you know everybody. You know what's scary, Dan? You were on for over a half hour, and it seemed yeah. like five minutes. Except to the poor guy waiting. Uh, uh, oh, thank you very much. Except to the poor guy waiting, Mr. Rook, who's going like this. What do I got to be up all night? To talk to these idiots in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, <laughs> wherever the hell they are. All right, everybody, have a good night. I'll see you later. Joe, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. Peace. God, God bless. Wow, that was cool. Is he, a not, is he not an awesome guy? Absolutely. And knowing the toy and the Migos, and the, it was just like conflict you know of interest with Star Wars and Star Trek, though. You know what's, yeah, I don't know what the hell I'm thinking half the time. <laughs> At least he didn't hang up on me. <laughs> you know, it's, I was going to say something, but I don't know what the hell I'm going to say. Is Chad, well, is Chad, is Chad with us? Well, no, he's down below. He's not with us. Okay. Well, he's in the lobby. He, you know, Chad actually rocks. He's a, he's a cool dude. Is he controlling the weather down here in Florida? Cause it's really freaking crazy right now. I think we he's have- controlling it here in Pennsylvania where it's snowing. Well, we were high of 90 two days ago, and now we're in the low 60s. So uh, let's bring him up. And well, actually, you do the introduction, if you would, please. Well, ladies and gentlemen. uh, That's the wrong person. That's that's a a goofy looking Shad Rook. Well, yes, that's not the right guy. (laughs) Let's try this one. There he is. Jeez, that Daniel Roebuck. Oh, hey, guys. Sorry, Chad. He's only been in like 300 movies. I got to talk to him about like yeah, three no of them. Kidding, right? Hey, man, he's a legend, so yeah. well, I ain't going to say shit. <laughs> How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm really good, man. I can't complain. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I want to introduce uh, someone I actually consider a dear friend of mine, Mr. Rook, who uh, is known for uh, Siren, a great show, and he's been on on the flash and uh he's been on timeless and a whole bunch of cool stuff he's out on the convention circuit he has a new film called perfect pickup that uh did you direct that uh, chad i did everything on that i wrote directed produced uh acted in it and uh slaved over hoursly of of editing as well oh sweet we will get back to there i promise but uh as a geek who absolutely adored bates motel what can you tell uh, me about working on that? Well, it was great because um, I got to work with a couple actors that I was always wanting to work with up until that point, which is Michael Eklund and Ian Tracy. Um, they're they're local to the, I mean, if you, if you watched basically TV, you would see them in almost everything. And uh, and it was just kind of a cool show because my wife and I, we, we actually were watching that show. And there's a lot of shows that I'm on that are kind of, you know, teeny bopper shows and stuff. So I don't really watch them. But that was one of the ones that we really liked. So to be on it was was even that much cooler. Yeah, I mean it it, it was one of the most well written and 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 well acted shows on TV. Yeah, and and, uh, and Freddie Heisman. I mean, the guy's he's kind of weird and real person, but he's he's he plays those weird characters so well. Yeah, and uh, you worked with Max, right? 
I did. Yeah. I mean, again, it was, I was only shortly with him. Um, but again, that, that whole cast is just solid people, right? They, I mean, I've been on sets where I could just tell you nightmares about the cast. Um, but Bates Motel was not one of them. They were, they were all really cool. Well, please do. I mean, we'd love to hear about the nightmares. <laughs> oh yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the producers that might, you know, cast me in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. teasing. I do have one story though for you, man. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not an advocate for producers. I'm not against producers or anything, but I was on a show one time and I was a recurring throughout the whole series. Okay. I was on a lot of episodes and after my first episode aired, um, basically some sets, the producers of the shows are on set all the time. You see them all over the place, but this set, no one ever saw a producer ever on set throughout the whole filming of season one. Then the first episode airs and I get this letter in the mail from all the producers signing it saying, we thank you so much for all your hard work. Um, your first episode airs on this day. We wish you all the best in the future. And I was like, great, that's cool, right? Second episode airs. I get the exact same letter in the mail. Your second episode is about to air. We love your work. Thank you so much. We wish you all the best in the future. Third episode airs. Fourth episode airs. Fifth episode, sixth episode, fourth letter, third letter, fifth letter, all the exact same from the <laughs> producers. And it just shows you that some shows, the producers know shit. They did. They had no idea that I was even recurring throughout the whole series. It's just, it mind boggles me. So I kept all six letters and I'm going to frame them in my office. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. You would think as you get onto those kind of projects, they would, you know, I don't know. Honestly, some some projects they're just producers are just money people right i mean a lot of times these people are like dentists they know nothing about the film industry and that and that's why you end up getting some crappy actors sometimes because they happen to be the nephew or niece or something of the producer of the money guy who just says yeah i'll give you this money if you put my daughter in the film <laughs> so now tell us about uh your role on the flash is is it clyde martin yeah, Clyde Martin is um, um, basically, I, I mean, that was kind of a dream role. I mean, the, things really changed for me in my career after The Flash. And uh, I mean, you get to play a super villain. I mean, there is no cooler role for, uh, for a guy to ever want to play. And uh, I was just, it's funny because I was just talking with my wife about, I was going through my resume and the roles I got to play. And it is literally like I have lived every boy's dream. You can imagine I've played a pirate a vampire, a supervillain, a demon, a firefighter. It goes on and on, man. It's just crazy. And uh, But Flash was the epitome of badass characters. I was a supervillain who got to create tornadoes and fight a major superhero. Uh, and it's it was pretty epic. That's awesome. Did you did you see the big DC crossover event? Uh, no, uh, I didn't, and I didn't get involved because, um, unfortunately, I mean, it's not really a spoiler. It's been so many years now. Um, you know, my character leaves the show, and after that, um, because they were all so related, I wasn't even allowed to audition for any other DC show uh. that day forward. I wasn't uh, Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, uh, now Batgirl they're they're all kind of cold cold mixed and unfortunately i'm out of the game for those so uh whatever we'll see what happens now another show of yours that i love was siren how did that come about 
So Siren is a weird one, man, because Siren was uh, was only supposed to be a one episode. Um, I auditioned for the pilot episode um, as Chris Mueller, who's one of the, the fishermen. Mm-hmm. And originally in the pilot script, um, I get attacked by a mermaid. And then by the end of the episode, I'm pretty much dead. And um, thank God the writers and creators and that changed stuff up because obviously now, you know, I, I get attacked. But the story of Chris goes on and on. And now we're going into... Uh, well, as of April second, I believe it's uh, uh, season three. It starts airing. Awesome. I mean, yeah. that show, the production values on that show are astonishing. It, I mean, it looks like, you know, a major motion picture. It's crazy. I mean, you have directors that have been in this game forever. I mean, people like Nick Copas or, or anyone. I, I mean, that have done the game for so long and have done so many shows and movies. So, uh, it is like a feature film. And not only that, it's it's the best set I've ever been on. Everyone is such like they're all friends behind the scenes and and on the set, and and that never happens. And not just cast and crew or cast, but like crew members are all friends of cast, and it's it's really family kind of uh, a feel to it. Now, uh, now we're gonna put you on the spot because it's Go all ahead, your work. Yeah, lay it on us. Tell us about the perfect pickup. Yeah, um, so this this beast is damn near eight years in the making, this this film. Um, my friend, uh, one of my best friends, Nathan Vita and I, uh, who's also in the movie, um, we sat down for two days straight, basically, in his, his little apartment, and um, we wrote a, a skeleton for the film. Basically, it's like a point form of, of the film. And then uh, I took that, and I wrote a screenplay, and... Um, for years we're trying to for about a year and a half two years we're trying to figure out how to get money because that's the hardest thing as independent filmmakers is how do you get funded and uh we didn't know so we couldn't get grants at the time we didn't have built up resumes and stuff so we weren't getting grants offered to us or anything um and one day i i had a script and we we decided to film um kind of a, a trailer as if the movie was made just uh, just to show people what we could do as directors and producers if we had the funds so we showed a little video snippet of what the movie would be about and and what it looked like and uh, i went to one of my wife's friends house one day she was selling a painting and i needed to carry the painting and this is how funny this world is man you can seek for it as much as you want you'll never find it sometimes and then one day i'm helping my wife carry a painting uh to a friend's house that she sold and um uh i met this this couple named darren and shauna and um you know he was a landscaper from the, from alberta he owned a company and uh he said what are you up to and i showed him the video and uh in about two days we had the budget and we were uh we were in pre-production that is awesome that's crazy right let me ask you something if, if you've directed some things now yeah. and this motion picture who inspired you uh it, uh, as a filmmaker, I mean, what director do you appeal to the most? Uh, probably Tar- Tar- uh, Quentin Tarantino. Um, I mean, everything from the early, from Dust of Dawn days till, till now. I mean, you know, it's his dialogue is so good uh, that he writes. And, uh, and I just love his shots in his films. And they're, he doesn't give a crap. He just does his own style, and you know you're watching a Tarantino film, whether it's gory as hell or or uh, the dialogue is just brilliant and the twists and turns that he ends up uh, putting in there. So uh, he's he's a really cool cat. 
So when we watch the perfect pickup, are we going to see hints of Tarantino in there? <laughs> well, see, I was, it was funny because I was always raised uh, with horror, the genre mm-hmm. of horror. I loved it. My mom was the type of person, she wouldn't sit us down for bedtime stories. She would sit us down in the living room and watch Exorcist. It was messed up, but it was awesome. And uh, that and comedy were always my two genres. Um, I'm not a Tarantino guy. I don't do drama. I don't do thrillers. I don't think, but... I, I love comedy and I love horror, and uh, so when I wrote Perfect Pickup, it was definitely in the comedy genre. So comedy genre, and in a way, I think dialogue is one of the most important things in the film. So when you're writing a comedy, you almost uh, got to be unbiased and step away from it a little bit, let other people play with the dialogue to make to make it their own and and to make it real. Well, let me be one of the. Let me. I'm sure you've heard this a bazillion times. But you are an extremely talented actor. I watch oh, almost you. everything you've done. I'm a big fan. Thank I can't you. wait to see your movie. Where can can our our folks? It's crazy. It's crazy. I can finally say this, but it's distributed it almost everywhere now. Um, you can uh, get it at Amazon Prime on uh, Hulu. Uh, you can get it at Walmart, Target, uh, Barnes and Noble. <laughs> it's all over the place, man. Uh, best thing is just maybe go to my Facebook page and you'll see all the ads and promos there. Um, uh, it's it's just a rock star to be able to say we actually distributed and, and this thing is available for uh, people to see. And where can people find you? Oh, man, uh, just Google Canadian prison mates and, and I'll There you go. You're, you're the first one who comes up. <laughs> no, yeah, no, um, I am everywhere. All social media is just under at chat road. And um, uh, April 2nd, uh, season three of Siren starts, and as of May twentieth, uh, the final season of the One Hundred comes out, and uh, I got a really cool character coming out, and uh, I'm looking forward to sharing that one with you guys. Sweet. What network is Siren on? Siren is on Freeform. Freeform. Okay. That, yeah. Uh, that's a Robert Rodriguez channel, or am I it's missing? Kind of. A, I think it's a Disney. Uh, oh. Disney affiliate. Yeah, channel. So, oh, but it is. It's not really a show for kids. Just no, no, it's a you know, it's funny because that very, very famous film that's out right now gave me a siren vibe. Did you see the lighthouse? Yeah, man. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, It's 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 cool because it's it's almost like the industry is moving to the next genre where we're done with vampires. We're done with zombies. Yeah, let's move on to mermaids now, right? And then next go. thing where we got unicorn movies coming out everywhere and leprechauns are back in town. So, Well, Chad, I am honored to have you on my very first show. Dude, absolutely. It's good catching up with you, brother. It's good seeing you again, brother. I hope to see find you on the road somewhere. Oh, and, and one uh, more thing. One more thing. Yeah. Sorry. I also got another show to promote. And it's okay. on Netflix and it's called Virgin River. And I play Spencer, a guy named Spencer on there. And it's perfect for all you... Uh, people who love Hallmark type movies because it's a very kind of clean edge cut movie. You're not going to be seeing me killing anybody like you do on every other show. There Hold you go. There. Is that is that available right now? Is it streaming? On it Netflix is. Right yeah. Now? Uh, yeah. And we just got season two approval, which is up there now too. So. Sweet. I love that you not only are a part of you know making established films and established television shows, but you're also a part of the indie hustle and the indie filmmaking. Oh, and uh, you gotta love the- being broke. Yes, and the fact that you, it, it shows that you're actually a true artist and that it's important 
to you to do stuff that uh, that speaks to you. So thanks again, brother. It was honored to have you on my show. It's great David, one of the best things about this industry is getting to work with you guys, uh, people like you, man. So uh, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, same to, to George there as well. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Chad. I hope to have you on again soon, brother. All right, buddy. So, Joe, I mean, that show seemed like it, like it was like 10 minutes long. I think that's a good sign. It's a very good sign if it goes by that quickly. Hold on. Let's put uh, George on the spot. There he is. Hey. <laughs> great show, man. I oh, think thank that you. was really great. Yeah, I mean, really well done. Uh, you know, congratulations on the first one. They they do feel like they're just a few minutes long. That's what's crazy about this whole thing, oh. you know? And I hope like, that it feels that way for everybody, not just me. <laughs> No, I think it does. And I think that that's what makes, our, you know, everybody in the brigade so, so special. We've got, you know, our audience is, um, it's a, it's an awesome, awesome group of people and they're so engaged and they, you know, I, I'm just so grateful for every one of them. And, you know, I can't wait to, to keep reaching more people. And I think, uh, I think you just had a phenomenal first show, man. You know, well, thank you. Guys- and I promised everybody who watched it tonight that next week I, I will be awake for the show. And I'll tell you what, you know, I got to tell you, I had a total geek moment <clears throat> when Dan said hinky to me. I about lost it. I was glad Joe didn't bring me up. I, I'm telling you, he was my favorite character in The Fugitive. And what he's what he was like, oh, yeah, George, hinky. I, I about flipped my shit. I had a little nerd moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's amazing about both of those guys? Both of those guys done some really, really cool stuff, but they continue yeah. to be humble. And they yeah. continue to do stuff uh, in the uh, independent film uh, uh world so that's just yeah chad's on his grind i like that guy a lot man you know uh i hope that they'll both stick around the indie brigade no absolutely they're great guys and champion it you know and be part of it man it's a great it's great to have so many different types of people with so many different backgrounds and skill sets and experience in this uh in this business just coming and joining in so thank you so much for doing this and being a part of it man i'm just honored to be doing this I'm honored to be a uh, part of your your lovely network and everything you guys do. Uh, I'm just want to be part of the team, be one of the boys. And you are? Uh, next week. Uh, uh, oh wait a minute! Before you do next week, this is when we get to kick George out, and you get to do what you want to discuss. I don't want to kick George out. I love George. Yeah, he looks like an evil Star Wars villain, <laughs> like one of those guys at the bar. Hit it. So next week uh, we'll be back and uh, hopefully we'll stay on the rails this time. And uh, I have calls out to some really, really amazing, iconic people who can teach us a lot about filmmaking and uh, about life uh, itself. And uh, I'll post them on Monday who our guests are going to be. And uh, that's pretty much what all the schmuck has to say for tonight. Oh, you were referring to yourself. Okay. No. Yeah. I love Joe. I don't think you're a schmuck. I appreciate that. Well, do you have uh, uh, I don't know, George has an out phrase or whatever. Do you have one of those? Uh, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. See you. In- Oh, my God.